Blog Talk Radio. Every now and then, 
So it's been one of those kind of weeks where I'm just kind of trying to, you know, restore some stuff. You know, not restore, but kind of get things, um, kind of get things a little bit better, you know, in my own atmosphere, like organization. So I do that, trying to organize my stuff and all that, okay? So that's how my week has been going. I hope you guys have been having a great week. Okay, so It's a Word will happen later on into the show. I'm not doing It's a Word right up at the top. Because um, I figured we will talk about first Love After Lockup. Oh, my God. Well, before I go into Love After Lockup review from this week, because Love After Lockup has just been a total trip. I'm <laughs> I'm really going to talk about, I'm going to talk about maybe two, three couples this week. I guess three. I'm going to talk about three of them. Three of them. I'm not going to talk about all the couples, but three of them I'm going to try to pull up. Uh, things for about three of them But listen, if y'all haven't been watching Love After Lockup And usually I always say I'm going to talk about Love After Lockup And I never do But this time, I mean, I've been trying to uh, Last week I gave y'all a full review of the new season Why I like this, I'm excited about this um, This season because it's kind of really crazy, okay From you got Gabby and Chris You got Monique and um uh, Monique and uh, Derek, and then you have uh, Michael, and I forget the other girl's name. I forget that their name, but this relationship. So I kind of want to look at all of, like, you know, talk about all of them because it's been so – it's been such a crazy season, and we're, like, into the second or third episode of it. It's really wild. Like, oh, well, maybe I'll talk about four of the couple because there's one other one. There's another one. There, I forget their name, too. Oh, my goodness. I have Skylar. Skylar. Y'all know how bad I am with names, okay? Skylar or whatever, because y'all, cause y'all wanted me to talk about Love After Lockout, so I'm going to make sure I do it uh, today. Let me try. I'm trying to pull up the uh, latest on the Love After Lockout, but we'll, we'll, we'll try to hit up on that, okay? All right, so BMF. Have y'all been watching BMF, the Black Mafia family? Okay, so last year with BMF, the Black Mafia family, for those of you who have not been watching, it's a a story, it's a real life, it's based loosely on a real life story about a family out of Detroit. And uh, it's, you know, it's produced by 50 Cent. I mean, he's he's one of the producers on it. And... um, it is last. It started last season. I'm going to be honest with you. Last last year, I liked it kind of. I mean, I was on and off, and then I start. And then I decided to catch up on it. Like right at the when it was going off for the season, I was like, yeah, let me go ahead and catch up on it, and go ahead and and watch it and stuff like that. This, it, it, I mean, and you know, it was good, especially the last two to three episodes. I mean, I was like, oh my god, you know, but. What was really, I mean, for me, like, that's been good so far is this this second season. I have really just enjoyed this whole new season they have with Love After, uh, I mean, sorry, not Love After, like a BMF. BMF, it started off as Terrence, you know, first, the first season we got to hear Meech's story. The second season we're hearing the second brother, which is Terry's story, okay? And this is where we get to see uh, Lala Anthony uh, come in and, uh, which, here's what I find. A lot of people were talking about Lala 
playing this role this week on BMS. For those of you who watch BMS, Black Mafia Family, a lot of people was talking about, you know, she's kind of old to be playing it. This is it. That's because you know Lala's age. You know a lot about Lala. But the truth of the matter is, Lala looks rather young. I mean, I know Lala's in like in her what is it? She's a mid forties, late forties, or something like that. But she looks damn good, so she could play that role. I get why they hired her for that role, and she's, to, in my personal opinion, first of all, Terry's, Terry's in high school, but the girlfriend's a lot older. She's already married, working at a bank. Okay, so. Uh, I think that's uh, so. I think when you when she when she comes in, a lot of people are not realizing that the character Lala is playing, and I forget her name. She is not a, the same age as Terry. She's not a teenager. She is a woman who is married and has uh, uh, supposedly has a family. And later on into the uh, show into the story, she will become like his his partner. Okay, which which. I found rather interesting because how they started off Terry's story is showing Terry, the beginning, getting arrested, and, he, you know, he's living lavishly. I think he's living in a, like, I don't know, because from what I hear in the original story, Terry was in the California area, and Meech stayed, they kind of separated off their businesses, like, and Meech stayed in Detroit. I don't know how that happened, but I guess we'll see that later on as the show goes on. But very interesting, and if you ever... Like, I'm sure they have it. Oh, my goodness. I'm trying to think where you guys can see the um, uh, – the. Um, I'm trying to think where you guys can see the information about uh, Black Mafia Family. There's an actual, like, a documentary on the, like, Black Mafia Family from one of the crime shows. But you, I'm pretty sure if you guys put it in on YouTube or something, something will come up so you can see about how the, they originally – who they were originally – and how everything fell apart, oh, my God, it's such an interesting story, okay? I mean, it's good on, you know, that they, they brought it to screen, but it's loosely based on what, what you know, you know, TV's going to embellish it. You know, they're going to embellish things that happen. It's going to be characters there that probably weren't really there, you know, or something like you might have one character that's two or three people, right? But... In the actual documentary, you get to see like the rise of this family and how they how it all came to fall apart. And there's been like a couple of them done on I think on the Black Mafia family. So you guys should check it out. And it's interesting because the Black Mafia family has a cross I think into the celebrity world through Terry. So it's 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 a very because Terry I think was more of the did a very good job from what I from what I hear, and I could be wrong. He's the one that did kind of he merged his businesses into you know while hiding what they were doing underneath. But it, one of the things I think he did was like promoting a lot of other stuff like that. It it's it's an interesting story because it has a little bit dash of celebrity mixed in it too. For I think on that side and how they all how it all merges together, and also. I know a couple of the women, the wives or something, have been. I th- I can't remember which. Who ha- I happened to be up late one night. I'm a night owl, y'all know this. So I was up late one night, and this reality TV came on, reality show, and I'm not sure if one if that was the, the one that was Terry's wife, but it was a couple of women on 
this reality show that were part that were at one time part of like the wives of the of some of these guys from I mean people who were involved in the Black Mafia family. So it's it's interesting. They had like a little reality show. I don't even know if it still comes on, but yeah. Very interesting story, okay? So if you're not watching the Black Mafia family, I will watch it. But I did want to tell you all about Lala. I feel like Lala is the appropriate look. And um, she's very pretty. I love the way they have her fixed up, everything she's I know you guys are all like, dang, Lala play the same characters in the 50 Cent shows. No, Keisha, I feel, is a little different from Power than this lady. This lady's more refined but very beautiful. I mean, I, I really love Lala in this role. I feel like she looks really, like, very pretty, like, very glamorous. So I, I would watch it. I think I find the characters much more interesting with higher stakes the second season. Whereas the first season, I was like, eh. You know, there was some excitement here and there, but I was sort of like, eh, okay. But the second one, oh, my God, like the first two two to three ep- two episodes have already been great. I've been like, wow, that's, that's interesting. So because uh, you can see that there's tw- – even though we're dealing with real life, a real life story, you're starting to see twists and turns and stuff like that and how they come to be this family. And what I, here's another thing. We've been talking on here a lot about the challenges of black America, specifically not everybody in the diaspora – when I say black America, traditional black America, uh, black America, uh, ADOS, FBA, or whatever. And to me, this show does such a good job, I feel like it so far, of showing what it was like in the 80s in some uh, – some, because uh, they have the parents as the backdrop. Because these two brothers come out of a two-parent home, Right. But even in this two-parent home, the father is struggling to make ends meet, and the mother, you know, is um, uh, struggling too. The mother's, like, working at a fast food restaurant and stuff like that. And it really gives a picture to me of what they do great. I mean, what I really feel like they do great is it gives a picture of the backdrop of what I call the crack bomb, the crack epidemic, you know, and and how that – how – uh, all these stories emerge with parents trying to hold on to uh, keep their kids off the street, but yet they're struggling in their own finances. And I mean, it's just it just does a great job to me of of showing the '80s and '70s, '80s probably '90s plight of Black America. And you to me you will start to see when you watch to me sometimes when you watch I know a lot of people get criticized like power power to me is the more glamorous side of drug the drug game because in power you know these are dudes who are up in 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 the uh, pretty far up in the game BMS got pretty far up in the game too but it starts to show you how these two little young brothers start off as young guys and how their life came to be what it came to be. But I feel like in this, was the difference between this and power is that it shows the poverty levels and the, um, the state of what was happening 
in black America, even though sometimes I think it can go a little overboard in terms of the uh, action, like crime and stuff. No, wait, no it can't because I forget. Back in those in the 80s, it was a trip. You didn't really, like late 80s, you didn't sit on your porch and shit. Like, you know, drive-by shootings and all that. But I think they do a great job of showing that. And it, it gives you a perspective about why uh, black America really needs to least to hone in on the idea of reparations because it really and, and even that we're still having a struggle now we're still the dead last in economics it doesn't look that way for us we you, you know we think that we've had a lot of improvement as a group but as a group we really haven't you know as a group we um and when I say as a group because what what's going on in America right now you have a lot of people uh, coming in and black America post-1965, you know, pre-1965, there was hardly any black immigrants here in America, okay? Now in America you have an uh, influx of black in- immigrants, first generational. And a, a lot of them, it just looks like black America, right? But that's not so. So when you will have, so say for instance, you will have somebody like, for instance, the press secretary, She's her background is Haitian. She's Haitian. So they'll put that up and say, oh, this is the first black press sec- you know, ter- secretary that look like black people in America have come a long ways. But black people in America, black traditional America, has not in a sense. And I always, I, I, I'm talking about this for BMF, really, because it, it, gives you, it gives you a picture of what happened to black America from slavery on down past Jim Crow, and then you get into the 80s, and you see the effects of the drug trade, and I, what I call Ronnie's, you know, drug trade. I mean, you know, you get the crack bomb epidemic. You get to see what has happened to black America in the several years. So when I talk about somebody like the Haitian the Haitian young lady who who's, who's there, it looks like black America to the world because they show that off as black America, but that's not black America. Her, she's first-generational first Haitian. So so we have to look at legacy when trying to see where black America has come from in in terms of America and how well we've done how well we've done. We haven't even had a have a had a real black American president in the White House like a black traditional black American. Barack Obama was Kenyan. Uh um uh, um uh, what's her name? Uh, what's what's the girl's name? Kamala Harris is a uh, a fourth uh was she like a uh, fourth Jamaican? So, <laughs> for what I, you know, they say. So, I mean, really, we have to look at ourselves in terms of legacy. And when you see a show like BMF, Black Mafia Family, you see the struggles that uh, slavery, discrimination, uh, segregation put on our community, and then you throw a crack bomb in on that. There is no. It's hard. It, listen. It's so hard for black America to catch up. So when you see, so a lot of times people are masking our failures. You know, they're masking the failures of the group by saying, oh, this is a black person who's made it, but that's really not a black American person who endured the hardships of slavery, who endured their their families endured the hardships of slavery, they endured the hardships of, uh, of uh, discrimination and segregation, and, you know, that's not the, it's not the, you cannot compare, it's not the same thing, right? It's not the same group. So uh, when you see celebrity, celebrity often masks it too because it's a celebrity looks glamorous and rich, 
but as I talked about on the show last week, Fantasia talking about celebrities struggling. So it's 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 a it's a, it's a, it's a very inter- it's a very interesting thing. So I feel like uh, that brings it more to the front forefront the struggle of traditional Black America and the need for reparations. I feel like a I feel like a show. I mean, I feel like a, a show like BMF, even though it probably doesn't even mean to go there, it does a good job of showing that. And it, because it's a true, it's a real story. Okay, so. Very interesting, all right? Um, okay, so now we're going to get into, you know what, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a break, and we're going to come back, and I'm going to talk a look, little bit about uh, Love After Lockup, okay? Oh, my God. <laughs> this show, for those of you who listen to me for week two, y'all know how I, this show has, like, been my guilty pleasure <clears throat> for the last, excuse me, Four or five years, I am just like I love this show. But this this season, they have on such a, a, a interesting group. I mean, a very interesting bunch. Every every year is an interesting bunch, but this year, I mean, I feel like they really outdid themselves. <laughs> so we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about a little bit about uh, this uh, week's episode i mean you know gabby leave did y'all see gabby leave chris outside for those of y'all who watch uh love after lockup we've been talking about it y'all see gabby leave poor chris at that station after he gave her like 60 or seventy thousand dollars. that's how she treated him she left him at that that bus station just waiting (laughs) because she thought he cheated she's crazy I mean, I but I've called this. I called this at the very beginning. Remember, I told y'all, and I said I didn't want to sound like I was being race baiting or anything. But I said she's like Steve. Mc, it's like the Steve McNair story. Steve, like y'all ever read? Y'all ever hear about what happened to Steve McNair? Okay, Steve McNair side. This is a sidebar. Steve McNair was a black quarterback who had a mistress. Looks sort of like Gabby, the mistress did. That's why I said it was kind of Steve McNair. And I, see, I think she was an Arab or Indian girl. I can't remember. But the story goes, he, she, he was having a fair, I guess he was trying to break it off, and she killed him and then herself, right? And when I first saw Gabby, the, the way she was talking, I said, she crazy. She like a Steve, it's like a Steve McNair. I said, he better watch out. It's like Steve McNair. The tea is on Gabby, so much the tea, because there's been all stories online that Gabby and Chris have broken up and that, you know, he has a situation about, he has some sort of assault or something like that going on, okay? So, uh, allegedly, they had a fight, or it's supposed to be on camera, that they're going to, they have a, they had a fight or something like that. And the mom was saying on this particular show that Gabby pulled out a knife on him, and that's why he was fighting her. Now, the, also the rumor is that she had rumor is that she had other charges against her. Remember when her mom says to her, she gives her an envelope on last week on Love After Lockup. Remember, Gabby's mom gives her this envelope, and I mean, G- Gabby gives her mom this envelope, and her mom opens it up and reads it, and she says, "You better get a lawyer." <laughs> Right, uh, well, rumors are that she has another assault charge. I told y'all. I told y'all. I just spot him. 
I was like, oh, my God. And, you know, here's the sad story about this. This is a very sad story that money can't solve everything, but, you know, you have to have finances along with a little bit of education will help people because here, this is this is a sad story of, of Gabby and Chris, and I'm going to I'm going to take a break in a minute, but here's a sad sad story and I will get back I'll come back and talk about this, but the sad story of this is that Chris was in Rikers. And as I told you guys last week, for those who you did not listen to the show, or for those of you who are not watching Love After Lockup, here's a little bit of background on this particular couple I'm talking about. Chris was in Rikers, and he got his ass beat allegedly. Well, no, it's not allegedly. He got his ass beat by uh, uh, some security security guards at Rikers. He wins a settlement while he's in jail. You're like, can he do that? Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? He won a settlement while he's in jail. So he gets $150,000, $150,000. Poor guy spends it all while he's in jail. He has even seen the outside, giving allegedly most of it to who? Gabby. What is Gabby doing while she's on the outside? She's getting work done. <laughs> Vaginas tightened. Allegedly. Work done. She buys herself a BMW, <laughs> an engagement ring. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Oh, it's... and the sad thing is that when he comes out of jail, he has no money. Oh, it's terrible. And We'll talk about this week because this week an interesting thing happened with them too. They were walking. I'm like, what the fuck is that about? It's crazy, okay? We'll talk about it more when I get back, <laughs> okay? But we're going to take a break, and then I'll come back, and we'll talk more about my review of this week's Love After Lockup. Meanwhile, y'all, we are going to have a guest at the second hour. Anna Hampton is going to tune in. I mean, is going to uh, listen. Uh, is going to uh, – what am I going to listen? Anna Hampton is coming in, and she's going to have a conversation to, with me about her um, – about her life and uh, what her relationship. I feel like a, a story that every woman, man should hear about how you can get into a toxic relationship and how it can change your life, take your life for a loop, okay? So uh, I think it's going to be a really, really good conversation, okay? But let's start off the show like we do every week with some good music. Here is, oh, wait a minute, I got, you know what I'm going to play? I'm going to play, I was listening to this song the other day, and I was like, I'm going to play this on the show. Because I really, y'all think I don't be liking John Legend. I like some songs by John Legend. I just don't like, I don't like a lot. All of it, I said a lot of it, because sometimes he kind of can sound elevator music-y, but I do like this song. It's Good Morning, John Legend. It's the CC Show. I'm Carlotta. I'll be back in a moment, y'all. Good morning. Good morning, love. It's my favorite love song. I've waited all night long. Before you get into the shower, before you worry about your hair, baby, 
Thank you. 
Jill Scott. It's a lovely day. That's one of my favorite remakes of Lovely Day. That song make me it makes me feel so good in the words. I love that damn song. Okay, Jill Scott's version, Lovely Day. And I think it's one of the okay. It was one of the last songs that she did on Hidden Beach. I mean, I I don't think it was supposed to be released. I think they got she kind of got upset when they released it. But it's actually one of the I don't know why she got upset because it's one of the dopest songs that I mean that she's ever done. But that I mean, but she. she you know, because it was kind of conflict when she left Hidden Beach. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I know Jill, Jill Scott, as a matter of fact, she's doing a tour. She's doing a tour or something this summer. I think it starts in April or something. I forget where it starts at. But she is doing a tour. And Jill Scott, if you've never seen her in concert, she is, like, she's so dope in concert. I mean, I've seen Jill a lot. I have never been disappointed, ever, okay? But I will say this. I like Hidden Beach Jill Scott. I talked about this last week. I like Hidden Beach Jill Scott better than I do Warner Brothers Jill Scott. Is that what she went to, Warner Brothers? Yeah. It's just my thing. (laughs) I don't know. I felt like the uh, Hidden Beach, it was something, it was something like gritty about her at Hidden Beach. But, you know, now it's all like kind of like they're refining it, trying to refine, you know, Jill at, at not that I didn't like the last album, it was good, but it was just sort of like it's it's more like they were trying they're trying to refine refine the sound, and I'm like eh, you know whatever. All right, you guys, it's the CC show. I'm Carlotta. If you are new listening into the show, welcome to the show. Uh, for those of you who are my old listeners, been here for a while. What's up, y'all? Okay, so we're talking about love after lockup. Listen. This week, so I'm going to start off with the couple, first couple, Montana and Justine. Okay, first of all, let me just say this so about Montana. Have y'all seen Montana? Have y'all been watching Love Ugh. I was like, Montana, what did you get married for? He, he's getting ready to be a rapper. It, it's, you know, what's, what's, here's what I'll say this for Montana. One thing, Montana was some sort of big time, I think, drug dealer when he went into jail, okay? But he's he's a rapper, and he's beautiful. He's beautiful. Like, when we talk about beautiful, like, like, Lenny Kravitz beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's, like, he's beautiful. Like, he's got this beautiful look. Oh, my God. It's gorgeous. The girls are going to like Montana, okay? Just out of jail has a rap career, has a manager already and everything, but Montana gets married to Justine, which he seems like he really likes. But listen, I was thinking to myself, Montana, why did you do that while you were in jail? And I think because these guys are, you know, they're locked up for so long and they just want some sense of family and stuff. Justine already kind of has a family. She has like two kids or something like that. I can't remember, two, three kids. And he does too. He has like three kids or something. Last week, Justine already clashed with his mom really early on. Like they showed, they had a get together, a family get together, because he hadn't seen his family since he'd been out of jail. And his mom has been taking care of his children. I think I think that's how it's going. Okay, while he was in jail, and so the mom is kind of you know she's having fun, she's joking and everything. She she kind of she voices her concerns about Justine to Montana, but Justine's like a earshot away, just trying to listen. And she's like, oh, you're trying to come for me now, or something like that. So then they go off to the side and talk. But to me, the whole time, which tells me a lot about Justine, 
she smartened off to his mom, kind of like, you know, well, I raise my kids how I'm raise my kids and everything. Because she's kind of, the mom's kind of saying, hey, I have some concerns. Uh, the mom's nice about it at first, you know. And then Justine kind of starts nipping at the mom, which is, in my opinion, and the mom's like, like, what? Like, you know, and she's one of them old school, um, I think they're from Puerto Rico. Like, his mom is from Puerto I'm not sure if she's from the islands or his, the father's from the islands. I forget how it goes. But she's kind of old school, in the, and Justine kind of mouthing off on her. You know, it's like, I raised my kids how I want to and stuff like that. And the mom didn't say anything about how she raised her kids. The mom was saying that she's been basically she doesn't want her granddaughter, her granddaughter's fifteen or sixteen, to be you know she she's raised her a certain way, and I don't want her to be getting tattoos. I don't want her to be getting all these things, you know. And she said, "Well, I raised my daughter such and such." She said, "Well, that, the mom's like kind of that's what I'm saying. That's what I don't want for my daughter." Instead of Justine trying to keep the peace because she knows they're in public. And at this, you know, at this thing, she, you know, I would have just said, hey, well, let's have this discussion later. You know, we're here to celebrate his coming home. I understand your concerns or something. But no, she's a behavior. When, when, you know when, when the, the man spirit talk about women being a behavioral problem, <laughs> which I always laugh at. I'm like, all women are behavioral problems in some sense. But not all, but a lot of us. Okay, so so it's Justine is definitely one. Okay, and I'm like, oh no. So this week, he is talking about his rap career. Okay, and to me, you know, he doesn't have to be a great rapper. I mean, he sounds pretty good, but you don't got to be great with you got them looks and that. I mean, it's just a certain vibe he got to him. And I was like, he can make it. But Justine, the 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 I I think personally, the manager is throwing out. Uh, I, I, he he's he's talking to Mike uh, Montana about not wearing his wedding ring when he's performing and stuff. I personally think now I think a rapper can wear his you know wedding ring, but I personally believe that <laughs> that he's he's doing this to to kind of see gauge her because I, I think this guy is well aware this is going to be a problem. But I think he's gauge, trying to gauge Justine and see where she's at. So let's take a listen at this first couple from Love. I feel like I'm very interested in Montana about taking off his wedding ring, okay? Oh, do I get it? Hold on, I got to get it up. You're right. My stage name is Montana Mills. My music, you know, it's my life. It's everything I live for. This meeting is very important because... Mocha is really connected with certain individuals who can change my life overnight. I'll be so financially set that I won't have to do anything else but focus on my music. In my eyes, as good as you are, we still need to repack it, rebrand. We need to get you the way that image. Yeah. I got the people to open up the doors. Long resume of getting artists signed for over seven figures. You just got to get back into that bum rushing mentality. To me, Mills is unstoppable. He's probably the best rapper that came from Rhode Island. I got to get him back in the studio. I have to get him signed. But now Justine got to get the green lights. I'm a little uh, on the edge, you know? I got a lot of material, man. I got notebooks. I got songs. I got, I got beats. Can I hear something? I wouldn't want to do it in here. <laughs> let's go somewhere. Come on, let's go somewhere, bro. Uh, we can definitely take you out off real quick. 
Be right back, man. Too good. Welcome to my office. I need right. to hear them bars, bro. My acumen, our pace is durability. There's no agility that can keep up with my mobility. Screaming loyalty won't acknowledge they lack nobility. Man, I'm just trying to get ahead. Guillotine guns become utilities to indulge in futilities. Doing me, I'm never worried about contingencies. Envision infinity, seeing beyond infinity. 2020 vision, they hoping I lose focus. Put up looking nice with the vehicle, so atrocious. Mm. Leather so soft, the engine is so ferocious. Ah. Bitches break their neck trying to figure out the commotion. Damn. Come on, my man. Back. Amen. You gotta bless the world. I blew his socks off, man. Like, you know, Mocha knows me for being lyrical and aggressive on the microphone, but I don't think he understands the hunger that's in me right now. This is something that I'm willing to move ahead with, and I don't want to waste any more time. I just want to know if you and the missus, if she'll be interested in relocating to Sin City. You know, I've been Team Vegas the whole time, so anytime. I'm there. So you comfortable with that? Of course. Something she mightn't be comfortable with is I've seen some hardware on your finger, bro. If we're going to take this to the next level, I'm sorry, but that got to come off. In the entertainment world, I understand what you're saying because, you know, the women flock to the ring, but I like being married. Yeah, I mean, I like you can, yeah, know, I mean, I, you I can like stay married, but we got to take the ring off, though. He's not taking the ring off. My husband's wedding ring is not coming off for anything. Success or any other thing that anybody wants to throw in the mix. That's my husband. He's wearing his ring. And that's it. Nah, he has to take the ring off. Oh, my God. Okay, some shit is going to go. Because Justine is right. Now, when you see, you guys are not seeing the visual, okay? So the visual, for those of you who haven't seen Love After, I'm sorry, for those of you who haven't, y'all got to go watch it. But for those of you who've seen Love After Lockup, my listeners who watch Love After Lockup like me, okay. So did y'all see her body, her body, her body, uh, her demeanor, her uh, her body language? She, while he was talking to the guy about business, she's like laying all the way over him. <laughs> like, like he's not going nowhere. I'm like, oh, my God, Michael. It's, I think he's really Michael. My, you've got a problem. Not only does she have a behavioral problem, but she's going to be a problem for you entertainment. Now, I know he doesn't have to take off his wedding ring. That don't stop bitches. No way, okay? <laughs> Especially when you're in the entertainment business and if, and if you've made it. You know what I'm saying? But what I would have said is looked at a new way. I would have told her, I'm not saying he can't take off his wedding ring, but he need, maybe like something, do, I would have suggested, maybe you got, he wears it as a necklace, you know, uh, 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 be flexible. I think he's trying to see if she's flexible. He's trying to point. He's trying to show, like, see it, how how much is she willing to go for? She's like, my husband's not taking out his wedding ring for nobody. This is why love after lockup is so interesting because I feel like this guy. If you're gonna listen, guy, it's a couple of things because he thinks she's trying to get pregnant too, and she already has two or three children, and he already has two or three children, and I'm like. What the fuck? You just got out of jail. Like, what are you trying to get pregnant? Like, it. I wish, I wish you men would gauge sometimes. Not only men, but women gauge themselves. The intelligence of what are you doing? You, you, 
he's fresh out of jail. He's trying to get his rap key, rap game on if he really is good. I mean, I laughed about when he said he's the best rapper out of Long Island. I was like, is there a lot? I mean, Rhode Island. I'm like, is there a lot of rappers from Rhode Island? I mean, it's like, was Method Man from Rhode Island? I think, I don't know. It was. I don't know if there's a lot of Rhode Island rappers. I mean, tell me. I, I, I don't know. I've never heard a bunch of <laughs> But, I mean, he's decent. The, the whole thing about Montana is his look, his imaging, okay? And that's what's going to sell, okay? And plus, you don't got to rap really good to be in the game now, do you? You don't. Really? No, I don't think so. So, uh, you know, it's really interesting to see, uh, like, this couple and the decision-making uh, skills. It's like, it's kind of scary because you're like... Oh, okay. It's sorry. Uh, I think I had a sound thing come, but it's kind of scary because you're thinking to yourself, "Are they gonna make it?" She's already getting into it with his mom. She's already, uh, she's already, you know, not being flexible on the career. And what is she gonna do? You can already tell she's possessive. What is she gonna do when the women start? Oh, and Justine, they're coming. They don't, you know, here's the thing. Justine is very pretty, too. But the thing is, it's always harder for women when they have a lot of children. But it's not as hard for the males, right? They don't care how many kids Montana has, okay? But Justine might have a little bit of a difficulty walking. So she's going to help. She's going to hold tight to, to, to him. Now, for him... I just want to say, they're coming. That's why you should not have gotten married while you were in jail. They're coming. They're, you're going to see. They're going to come. They're going to be like a smorgasbord. And you're moving to Vegas, too. Oh, my God. I don't know what's going to happen with this couple. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> okay, so next on the couple thing to talk about really quick before we go into our guest and get into everything today, Derek and Monique. Derek and Monique, and I don't know, I may have to save two couples for after the interview, okay? But Derek and Monique, y'all know already about them. Monique is a extra plus size, extra, extra plus size chick. She's pretty, but she met Derek while she was in jail. Derek didn't really know how big she was. I mean, he knew she was big, but he didn't know she was that big, okay? But Derek, I'm going to say something. Even though Derek is on his gigolo shit, I wish I would have uploaded gigolos get lonely too for Derek. But anyway. Derek, even though Derek is on his gigolo shit, he really has been kind to, in some senses to Monique while spending her money, you know. I had a di- I have a different perception of Derek now. Remember last week I was saying, you know, she needs to work on herself first, but then I was like, no, this, this is a part of the self-journey for her. I've changed my mind. What I'm going to say is toxic as fuck when I come back, when I let y'all listen to this. I'm going to say something very toxic, but it's okay. Because you guys are going to understand what I'm talking about, okay? So let's, like, take a listen at Derek and Monique and the drama that's suing with them, okay? Because you already know there's already drama with Derek's family. So let's uh, take a listen. Well, no, I'm going to – the first clip I have is them going to the gym, okay? So I think you guys are going to – and then the sister drama happens. So let's check this out. Are you ready? Yeah, I am. How's it going, guys? Hello. Looking to get a membership, see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I'm looking to work out and come out here and get a sponsor. Absolutely. Okay, so Derek just talked to Ariana or whatever, and he was like, you know, it's nothing against, you know, y'all, I'm trying to get my life together. And she was like, okay, I understood, you know. I'm 
Like, now she's texting me all this bullshit, talking about me and all this other You tell me wrong? Yeah, absolutely. You ready? Yep, I'm ready. They think he don't want to talk to them, and they think it's a me thing, and it's not. So this is it, guys. Oh, yeah, I like this. Right? Good vibe. You got your treadmills on the right-hand side. Oh, nice. And machines all up on this left-hand side. Got the weights. Weights right through here. So hopefully everything's to your liking. Enjoy your workout. Once you're done, man, just come on upstairs. We'll be able to get all the paperwork done. Right, thank you. Absolutely, man. So do you want to see the text you're supposed to just send me? I don't like seeing that. This is my text word. Well, I'm going to show you anyway. The conversation seems fine, so why is she sending me this? What the Man, only with people who've only been there for you. We're grown now. You made those mistakes on your own. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that. I'm well, sorry, that. No, don't even respond. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Why you won't even get caught up in that business? I'm not gonna get caught up in that. Just leave it alone. Keep texting my phone. Let's work out. I want to be a personal trainer. You want to lose weight? Let's vibe. Let's connect. Let's do this together. Everything else. Okay. Okay. I didn't got these for all of that. Okay, so Derek has taken Monique to the gym. In the midst of taking Monique to the gym, uh, the sisters, because, you know, they wanted to see Derek, and Monique's been kind of territorial, but she said Derek is the one that doesn't want to see them right now, okay? Derek is trying to get, I guess, his, get his life together outside of prison, but his family is feeling like Monique's the one. You know, they like, they texting her like, what the fuck? Are you trying to keep us away from our brother? You know, all this stuff, okay? And Monique doesn't help the situation because how she acted when he they came to meet him from jail. I mean, she acted, she didn't act kind or friendly whatsoever. She's very possessive of, of Derek, okay? So, but Derek here, I remember, now I do, Derek, you know, the first week spent like $540 on a meal, okay, fresh out of jail. <laughs> he, he, she's got him Gucci down, no, Gucci, Gucci, Cartier watch, yes, 30000 okay, okay, no, 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 fresh out of jail. Andy, and on this this episode, Derek goes down. Here's the thing about Derek. Derek is kind of smart. Now, I don't know, you know, Derek was in that street life before he went to jail. But Derek said why, during the time he's been in jail, now he has side hustles. He'd be cooking for people. He'd be doing personal work, training workout and stuff for people and all that while he was in jail. And they'd pay him, and he saved the money. That's what he said. He got $9,000 that he takes to the bank. I'm like, oh, shit, Derek. Okay, you you might be a jiggler, but you got your own shit, right? I don't know why Derek is putting up with all this. It, it gave me a new perspective on Monique. Now, we all know Monique is heading for a heartbreak, right? We know, we know, we know. Cause again, Love After Lockup is a vehicle where women from all over are going to see this man, Okay. So we we know it's coming now. From what I've been told, Monique and Derek are still together, okay. And maybe that's because he be Gucci down. He get five hundred and forty dollar meals and shit like that. But let me just say this, okay. At first, I was like, Monique, get your own shit together, get your life together. I'm t- I got a new perspective, and y'all gonna think it's toxic. Sometimes it takes. A man to inspire you to like yourself. Oh God, I hate to say this because I don't want you weak girls out here to do these things. But I know you might go. You gonna do what you want to do anyway. But here's the thing: while Monique 
it's pain for the penis. Cause we we know that's what is happening here. Enjoy the ride. Use it to inspire you. You know how when you like a new guy, you start fixing up yourself. You start getting your act together. You change your outfit. You get you know what I'm saying. You get all cute and shit. Monique went into a gym. I was like, oh, shit, and Derek is like, I'm a personal trainer. I'm a personal trainer. And he had her doing a couple of squats, and I was like, damn, this relationship is toxic, but shit, she might, it might just work for her right now. Like, get out of it what she can. Like, she might just get some of her money back to him personally training her. Take this moment, this feeling she's getting, you know, she's getting sex, because, you know, we see that on the show. I mean, you know, she's getting, she getting some good I don't know if it's good, but she's getting some, right? It's good to her, okay? She's 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 feeling so, so she's spending too much energy worrying about him, like he's saying to her family right now. Why you gotta let that charge you, okay? I'm kind of like for this relationship a little bit now. Oh no, I know y'all saying quite a lot of you cannot be. For, he is using her. Yes, but you have you ever heard? You know the song "Use Me." You, I love that song. Use me the the, what's the I forget who it's originally one is by, but you just keep on using me till you use me up. That song, you the old school song. That's Monique right now. Leave Monique alone. Let her. Maybe something's gonna come out of this. Like good for her. Like self esteem, weight loss. Because sometimes it can be a dude that come and love you. You know he he can show you some affection. Like show you some sort of affection, and you really think you the shit. Remember, it was it was an interview. Y'all know how I love talking about Maxwell on here, right? Okay, so it was an interview one time I saw of Maxwell's that where he was talking to the Breakfast Club, and he said some shit that I thought was funniest. I was like, oh wow, that's funny as fuck. But Charlemagne caught it immediately. He says that when he's when he's in concert, he likes to sing to. I talk to the the person who's the, the most insecure, who's pulling on herself, who's not looking that great or whatever, you know. And he's, and he's like, you know, make her feel good and stuff like that. Charlemagne's just looking at him, and he's like, you know, he's and he's thinking he's saying something good, but Charlemagne's like, damn, Maxwell, like, you a predator. <laughs> like, you praying on the week. But wait a minute, it's working. Do you know how a girl would feel? If she's the most insecure chick in the audience and Maxwell starts to sing their ass, this is Monique. Leave Monique and Derek alone. Seriously. That's the, that's the, this is what Derek is doing. Derek is doing good work. He's doing, he's doing good work. I'm not going to say he's doing God's work. I'm saying he's doing good work. <laughs> Leave. Yes, Derek is predatory. Yes, he's fucking with the weak girl in the audience and making her feel good, but guess what? It's good. This is good for Monique. Monique is at the gym working out. I love this shit. Leave her alone. Oh, my God. I'm done. I'm not. I'm only going to talk about Monique and Derek. I'm going to try to talk about them unless something so ridiculous happens, like the chase this week. With the Remember when they were getting chased by some white car and, they, and some police car was around? They were getting chased. <laughs> <laughs> with the producers in the car, and Monique's like, you want me to stop and pull over? The producer's like, fuck, no, hell no, don't pull over. <laughs> that was funny. I didn't play that clip. Hilarious. Okay, so this is my um, this is my first two couples from Love After Lockup. My guest is getting ready to come on in three minutes, so I'm going to have to go to a break. 
But we'll continue. I'll continue my love after lock of spiel, uh, spiel with Gabby and Chris and the other couple. I forget the other couple's name. Skyler and I forget the other guy's name. We're going to talk about, we'll talk about them. I'll talk about them after my, I'll pick it up in the news segment, okay? The rest of my love after lockup review. But y'all leave Monique and Derek alone, okay? Now I'm understanding what Monique and Derek is. I get it. Leave, leave, leave them alone. For now, for now, let Monique, Mo, let, let Monique get what she needs to get, okay? All right, y'all. <laughs> this is a crazy, I'm crazy, and this is a crazy show. <laughs> All right, so you guys, when I come back from break, we're going to talk to, I am so excited to talk to this young lady because I feel like she has a great story. And I feel like um, that you can learn from the story. And it to me, it's a story of, you know, coming back, bouncing back after something happens to you that you probably wouldn't expect to happen to you, you know, because we all would like to think, oh, that can't happen to me, this can't happen to me. But it can. So it's a very interesting story. I want you guys to uh, hear about it. We're gonna, I'm going to bring her on after this, Hannah on, and uh, after our break. So you guys, let's take a listen to I didn't have y'all. I didn't have up who I was going to. Okay, Anthony David. We're going to go listen to the Anthony David Spitting Game. It's the CC Show. I'll be back in a moment with my guest, Anna Hampton. <laughs> Oh, 
for the very best in government, politics, celebrity entertainment, music news. Tune into the Carlotta Chatwood Show right here on Block Talk Radio. What's up, y'all? I am back on the Carlotta Chatwood Show. I'm Carlotta. If you just now tuning in. Listen, if you guys cannot get in, because I know some of you guys like to listen in on the phone lines. If you're not getting in on the phone lines, remember, you can always listen to blogtalkradio.com. You can go there. You can hit the link, and you can listen to the show directly on your computer, okay? Because, you know, y'all, if you can't get in, okay? All right. All right. So, listen, I am excited because this young lady, uh, I met her, like, on on, on, on the Internet, like, several it's been it's like a few years now and because um, you know i'm a big if you listen to this show you know i'm a big maxwell fan right so uh she has a maxwell fan page but i i've gotten to know her over the years and uh just this year i got to meet her when we were in vegas at a maxwell show then i got to meet her again in a little rock and hang out with her she's so nice but one of the most Great things I found out this year is her story. I thought her story was so, I mean, I was like, wow, I didn't know she had went through that. And I was like, I got to ask her to be on the show because I think it is something that every woman, young woman needs to hear. People just need to hear, period. So uh, let me introduce her. her. She's an influencer, blogger, aspiring author, survivor. She says, mega, mega love and connoisseur of all things related to R.B. Living Legend Maxwell. That's true. I see that on her page. <laughs> Hannah Hampton is the creative force behind Love, Lust, and Blackmail, Inc. Uh, the concept for LLB, Inc. was formulated during honest time of incarceration at Aliceville Satellite Prison Camp. I hope I'm saying that from 2018 to 2019. And she feels she feels that this is a, it's a safe place for fun and candid, classy conversation. Uh, it's it, honest hope that in sharing her story, it will empower and inspire other women who may have had or currently experiencing similar situations. Okay. And, you know, I love what she says. She talks about stay tuned for the best yet to come. And she says we are enough. And I agree with that. So welcome to the show, you guys. Hannah Hampton. Hannah, are you on? Can you hear me? Hey, hey lady. How you doing? Yes, I can hear doing you. Me. How you doing? Okay. This is my first time being on um, anything, really. So I was like, how do I do this? But, yes, yes, I am here. What's up? What's up? Girl, welcome to the podcast. It's a conversation. You know, don't even worry about it. Just just have fun, go, have fun with it. Flow with it. I'm crazy, okay? I'll be saying I talk about everything on here. So don't don't feel you say what you – you're free to say what you want to. If you want to – I mean, whatever you want to say, it's a it's an open show. So – uh, I was just telling them about how we uh, how we met, how I how I got to meet you for the first time actually in person this year, uh, last year actually or now mm-hmm. last year uh, in the summer. And but I was talking about um, the surprising journey that you have. But I kind of want to ask you first, starting off, I mean about how like what your background is, how like because I want people to see that. It it just can't, it doesn't, it, you don't have to be, it doesn't have, this kind of thing doesn't just happen to anyone because they're not smart or they're not this and that, but things can happen to you even if you have a, a great a background or whatever, See, whatever you go through, it can still, you can yeah. still go through some things. So could you give me a little bit about your background? <laughs> okay. 
Okay, um, first things first, <laughs> let me give a shout-out to the ladies of Aliceville who are tuning in and also uh, to the Max Lovelies from Instagram and Twitter who are tuning in. Thank you, thank you all so much for tuning in and supporting me. And this, uh, you know, anyone who has spoken with me at, at any point in time knows that this is not me. Like being out in front, I actually do better behind the scenes. But when you have a calling on your life to do something different, it's going to be out of the ordinary of what you would normally do. So thank mm-hmm. you all for tuning in and, and supporting me. And thank you for having me on the show. You know, we've talked at length about a, a few things that you were like, wow. Okay, but just a little bit about me. I am uh, originally born and raised from Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, you know, come from a two-parent home, and we talked about this a little bit, you know, even though I was from a two-parent home, it was uh, dysfunctional, which led to a lot of my poor choices. But, you know, education-wise, I graduated high school. Um, I have my Bachelor of Science accounting degree. I also have mm-hmm. a Master of Business Administration and Human Resource Management, and I earned those uh, in, let's see, I got my bachelor's degree in 2014. Even though I graduated high school 20 years before, I didn't go straight through. I just kind of went here and there, and then I was actually awarded the Arkansas Law School Scholarship for non-traditional students in 2011. So that's what actually enabled me to go back to school and finish my bachelor's degree once and for all. So... You know, I joke a lot and say it took me 20 years to finish a four-year degree, but, you know, it wasn't 20 years straight through. So, anyway, I was, you know. Girl, as long really, as you finish, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I finished that bad boy. And then, you know, I was sitting <laughs> home one day, and I just didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So, I was sitting on the couch reading a book, and I was just like, you know what, I'm going to go back to school and get a master's degree. So, I did that, and most people, it takes two years to finish their master's degree, I started in, let's see, March of 2015, and I graduated in May of 2016. So that was a goal that I accomplished, uh, that I set for myself, that I wasn't going to take two to three years or 20 years to finish that thing. I, I wanted to finish that. That was on my bucket list to finish before I turned 40. And, of course, I turned 40 in September of that year, so I was able to accomplish that. So, you know, Things that happen to people, you don't have to be from a particular socioeconomic background or, you know, a particular upbringing or anything like that. You know, there's a stigma associated with that, especially when you look at those who are incarcerated. And you think, oh, Mm -hmm. they came from a broken home or, you know, they came from low-level education, low financial, not necessarily. Because, again, like I said, I grew up in a two-parent home, and we didn't have everything that we wanted, but we had everything that we needed. So for me, um, you know, trying just thinking how I got to that point, I think, well, I know for me, you know, when people ask you, who are you, you know, we name off all these roles that we take. You know, I'm a mother, Mm -hmm. I'm a friend, I'm a sister, I'm an aunt, I'm a cousin, I'm a wife, you know. Whatever role you undertake, that's what people have a tendency to say when you ask, who who are you? But for me, I, I was everybody's go-to person for a number mm-hmm. of years. And, you know, I would absorb other people's problems and just take it on and take it on and take it on and fix their problems and not realizing just how much that was taking away from me and my well-being and my mental health. Anna, that's that Virgo energy. You are Virgo. Yes, it is. 
and I am a September Virgo at that, so that really yeah. makes a difference. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you know, yeah. I'm obligated to mm-hmm. take on everybody's problems, and you know, when when go to person needs someone to go to, they don't have anybody because you are that person. So, in any event, I had gotten to the point where I was not satisfied with my life, and that was starting to really wear me down. And, you know, like I told you the other day, I was weighing in at, like, 260 pounds. My hair wouldn't grow. Skin was oily. I wasn't happy in the career that I was in. I just was not happy. So I was in a relationship with a guy who is now uh, one of my best friends, and I thought I wanted to get married, and he didn't. And, you know, it was kind of crazy or whatever. So we were at that point living together, and I was like, you know what, I'm done. You need to get your stuff, get your kid, and get out. So anyway, Mm -hmm. I ended up reconnecting with a guy that I dated in high school, and this was in 2009. So I ended up reconnecting with him. So I want everybody to know, you know, going through the story, it wasn't just somebody that I met, you know, like online or at Walmart or anything like that. We knew each other from before. Mm And, you know, he was a bit of a playboy when we were in high school, but you don't expect grown men or anybody to be doing the same things that they did in high school as an adult. At least I didn't expect that. Right. So, and that's, you know, what was presented. So we got together and we were talking and everything, and it's like one mistake that I made was serial relationships or serial dating, you know, going from one relationship to the next, trying to make each guy that I was with be the one, because, again, that was wearing me completely down. So by the time Mm -hmm. I got with, um, we call them dum-dum, me and my homegirls call them dum-dum, by the time I reconnected (laughs) with dum-dum, and you'll see why (laughs) in a minute, uh, you know, I was just completely bankrupt. And when I say bankrupt, I mean physically, emotionally, Spiritually, uh, mentally, I was completely drained, and that is really a dangerous place to be because that's when you just let any and everything infiltrate infiltrate you. Mm -hmm. You know, when your defenses are down, you're not really thinking clearly. You're not really who you used to be, you know, and for me, I was always straight-laced by the book. Um, You know, I say I'm not judgmental, but when I think back on that particular time period, I think I look, you know, a little bit. I was because I would see people on TV, you know, arrested for taking money, you know, doing things like that. Or I would see women, you know, being arrested for doing, you know, being right or die for a guy. And I said, oh, I I can't see how they would do that. That would never be me. Well, guess what? It ended up being me on both of those. Wow. So when I got with him, I just was at such a low point. And, you know, he's an attractive guy. All the guys that I dated have been attractive. He's an attractive guy. A lot of women wanted him. So I really felt like, because where I was, I felt like he was doing me the favor by being back with me. So at that particular mm. point, I was an officer at a law firm, and, um, you know, I had access to all, everything, you know, the money, the tax returns, all of that I had, you know, and I was really overwhelmed at that particular position. They should have had two people doing that job, but it was just me. And because I was handling it, you know, they were like, oh, you can handle it. So anyway, he came with a story, because at that time he worked at a car dealership, and he came with the mm-hmm. story, you know, oh, I'm not making as much money on commissions because people aren't buying luxury cars. They're not 
you know, ever since the stock market crashed in 2008, uh, I've been struggling. So I was like, okay, you know, I have a little bit of money in savings. And the kind of person I, I, I was not one of those women who refused to give men money. You know, you have some women who say, well, you know, there's you. They will not give me any money. I don't care how long they've been together. You know, it's like it's just not my thing. But the way that I grew up, I saw my parents help each other because my mom always made more money than my dad. Even in retirement, she made more money than my dad. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I saw that. If he needed money here and there, you know, she would give it to him. It was nothing to me. So, you know, I had access to my own money and, it was nothing, you know, no big deal. We're in a relationship, right? So that's what you do. You help each other. Anyway, it got to be to where it was kind of constant. You know, he made it seem like, oh, I don't really even want to ask you for this because as a man I should be um, providing for you and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that is correct. But I still right. feel like in a relationship you support each other in a true relationship, not a narcissistic one-sided, I'm using you type shit. That's what Mm -hmm. I ended up being in. But, you know, in a healthy relationship, I don't see the problem with you helping one another, you supporting each other. So, you know, that's what I did. Now, one thing I'll do, I'll put a pin or a pause right here and say to anybody listening, if you get to the point to where you have to go over and beyond and you are continuously going over and beyond trying to convince this person that you're the one, you ain't the one. And, and neither wow. is the other person. You should mm. have to do more than what you're getting back, number one, and what you would normally do in order to show or convince the other person that you two belong together because if, if you have to force it, that's not it. That's not where it is. And that's what I was doing. I was trying to show him, yes, I can be with or die. Yes, I will support you when you fall short. And no, I'm not going to make you feel like you're less than a man because we all need help and no one person can do it on their own. But I was not getting that in return. So because I was so hell-bent on being in a relationship, being married by a certain time, and, you know, that's really emphasized with women, both black, white, and other. You know, if you, you can win the Nobel Peace Prize, but if you're not married and don't have children, you've not accomplished anything, and that's a lie. That's just how we were brought up. But I think and what mm-hmm. I really admire about the younger generation these days is that they're not buying into that anymore. They're like, you know what, whatever. If that's what I choose to do, yes. But if not, I'm not going to be made to feel like I'm less than because I did not. So anyway, right. that's what I was doing with them. And it got to the point to where you know, I had run out of my own money, but I knew a way that I could get money to help him out is what I thought that I was doing. And that was by cooking the books. Is what An accounting term is called cooking the books is when you fix the balance sheet and the in, you know the income statement to look mm-hmm. a certain way to hide certain things. So of course I was cooking the books, and I got a couple mm-hmm. thousand and how it started. So and I my, my another mistake that I made is I told him how I was doing it. So you know if you're gonna do some dirty stuff, do it. Don't tell anybody. about <laughs> it. <laughs> You know, not, I'm not condoning it, but I'm saying you, you just feel like saying. you got to do it. Let it be between you and the Lord. Don't tell anybody. Don't even tell your homegirl. 
okay? Just hush. But I gave him the tools that he ended up using against me. But because I was trying to show him, you know, I trust you, I love you, Mm -hmm. I'm here for you, you know, blah, blah, blah. I told him what I was doing, and I didn't just tell him. I, like, texted what I was doing. It was in writing. So, Uh, um, Mm. (laughs) wow, I'm just sitting here like, wow, you text. I didn't, wow, okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Don't put anything in writing. So anyway, mm-hmm. and don't tell them either. You don't never know who's recording. So anyway, um, after that, I told him, you know, we can't do this anymore because it was a few times, and I said, I can't do that. You know, I'm jeopardizing my job and my integrity. This is basically not who I am because, again, they knew in high school I was a complete nerd, you know, so that's just not who I was, but because of where I was at that particular point mentally, I felt like that was something I had to do in order to prove to him that I was the one and we were the two. So when I told him I couldn't, he was like, okay, okay, fine. We continue on the relationship. And then, you know, it started to go downhill. Now, we were together, I guess you could say, or I thought we were from 2009 until um, 2017. So during that time period, it was cool, but there were so many red flags that I chose to ignore because I was making excuses for the red flags. You know, I was like, well, yeah, this is not right. This is sticking out. This is giving me a a bad gut feeling, but because we are together and I feel like we're together, I just ignored those red flags and I made excuses and just kept going on. In the meantime, sinking further and further into into the, you know, just the abyss of depression. And at that time, I did not realize that's what it was, but that's exactly what it was. So anyway, um, 2014 was a really tumultuous year because that was the year anybody who knows me knows I have seven cousins who are like my children. I don't have any biological children, but those Mm -hmm. seven are like my children. And, of course, the the seventh one, the youngest one, is who lives with me now. But in 2014, uh, Braylon was shot and killed out at the Arkansas State Fair, and he was only 16 years old. So that really, really was kind of what put the cap on it. You know, it's like at that mm-hmm. point is when I started to feel like, what is the point? You know, what is the point in me even trying? What is the point in me getting up praying every day? What is the point in me going to church? What is the point in me going to work and trying to be a role model for these other children if this is what's going to happen to the one who I had the closest connection with. And, you know, parents say they don't have favorites. They have favorites. You know, I don't want to say I have favorites. He was my favorite, okay? (laughs) And they know because the kids now be like, we know Braylon was your favorite. You know, I'm like, nah, I love all y'all, but they know. They already know. So to lose him like that, you know, um, I was there in the hospital when he was born, and I was there in the hospital with him when he died. That takes a huge toll on you, even if you're not already in a state of depression. Seeing something like that with a family member or your own child, it is very different because, of course, we we think about death as being like it is on TV where people go to sleep and they, you know, whatever. But it is a process. Just like it's a process for you to be born, it's also a process for you to die. So, you know, thankfully, it, it, it it didn't take, as soon as they stopped the oxygen, you know, he was gone. So we knew he was already gone. But, you know, there was a time period where 
every time I tried to lay down and go to sleep, I would see that image. And, of course, I was mm-hmm. unable to sleep because it would wake me up, and I would see the last image of him in the hospital bed, you know, making his transition. So, mm-hmm. again, that didn't help where I was. So now I got this, this toxic relationship that I was refusing to admit was toxic. I lost my kid. I got the other kids who are just spinning out of control behind that because, again, he was the glue that had all of us together. I had a job that I hated. You know, I hated the people at the job, and that's kind of bad to say, but, you know, I was the only chocolate chip in the cookie, if you know what I mean. And (laughs) they were doing some stuff. So where it's like, y'all remember that I'm black? Okay, you know, I mean, saying some things doing some things, and I was looking for other jobs. And when I tell you I would get rejected and turned down for every job that I applied for, even just making less money, I could not get Mm -hmm. out of there for anything in the world. So we'll Mm -hmm. go, you know, fast forward to um, 2015, still in a toxic relationship, still taking money. So I told him, you know, we can't do that anymore. And he said, okay, at first. But then it came back, well, I really need this money. And it wasn't little money. It was like four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000 a pop. So, wow. anyway, uh, yeah, it was big money. So, anyway, I was, I was like, no. And that's when he said, okay, so I wonder how your boss would feel if she knew her trusted employee was stealing money from her company. And I was like, well, um, how is she going to find out? So he sent me all these text messages and all the emails that I had sent and corresponded with him and was like, you think I won't, you know, you think I won't turn you in? And I was kind of like, wait a minute, you know, we're supposed to be together and I'm doing this to help you out, so how are you just going to turn me in? And then I told him, do you think you're actually going to get off scot free? If you turn me in, oh, well, I can say I didn't know how you were getting the money. I said, well, how are you going to say you didn't know and you got the proof that you knew how I was getting the money? Duh, dummy. That's why we got right. the dumb on. But, <laughs> you know, you're sending me the proof that I'm telling you how I'm taking the money, but you can just say, oh, I didn't know. Duh. So, anyway, he was still using that to hold over my head. And a few times he actually did call my boss and left voicemail messages, it just happened that she wasn't there. And he was threatening. It was like, you better go check your boss's voicemail. And when I would check her voicemail, there he was on the voicemail saying, I have some very important information about your office manager that I think you should know and how you're being done wrong and how you shouldn't trust this person. I'm listening to him, and I was like, wow, okay. So at that point, I told him, well, you know what? I'll continue to do what you need to do, but you just need to leave me alone. And he was like, no, I'll never leave you alone. I'll never do that. So it got to be where, of course, I didn't talk to him at all anymore. Whenever I would Mm -hmm. see his number on my text messages or pop up on my phone, I would immediately just stress, I mean, to the point to where it was like almost just paralyzing because I didn't know what Mm -hmm. he was going to say. So then and, you know, when I tried to avoid the phone calls and avoid him, that's when the, it turned physical. You know, he would just show up at my job or show up at my apartment, and, you know, we were fight. So the last wow. time actually fought, fought, and we were supposed to go see Maxwell because he was like, well, let's go to Maxwell. I know how much you love him, and let's go uh, try to use an evening of romance to, to rekindle our relationship. All right, cool. So the morning of the concert, 
he was at my place, and um, we were talking, and I was super excited to go. Now, we didn't have meet and greet tickets, but we did have really good seats on the front row. And he was mm-hmm. from Little Rock, Max Little Rock, of course. So I was really excited to go. And he made the comment, and he's like, well, you think you get more excited about Maxwell than you do me. I bet you would leave me for that dude. So I didn't say yes, but I didn't say no. I didn't say anything. Because at that point, I was like, well, that go down. You. you know, I was like, you know, I didn't, yeah. I, at that point, I'm thinking I would leave you for a press ham sandwich and some chips. You know, <laughs> let alone Maxwell. Come on now. So, anyway. I didn't say anything. So that really sent him into a tailspin because he's the type where if you hurt his feelings, he's going to try to do something even worse to, like, destroy you. That's just the kind of person he is. Like, he's textbook narcissist. So anyway, um, he walked out of the bathroom, and I heard the shredder. Just left after, you know, I heard the shredder going on. So I continued to get ready to go to work. And, um, I went into the bedroom, and I just so happened to notice that where the tickets were on the dresser, they were no longer there. So wow. I called him, and he was like, I'm still in the parking lot. So I ran out to the parking lot, and I said, did you sure our concert tickets? And he was like, yeah, because um, I don't feel like sharing my my girl with anybody else, and if you want them that bad, then you sure got a way to go on your own. Honey, when I tell you, I reached all the way back as far as I could, and let my fist fly. <laughs> wow. I fought him. And he got out of that car, and we fought, and one of the neighbors had to come break it up. And I was like, you know what? That's it. So um, when he came to my place later on that afternoon, I had gotten my locks changed. All his stuff was out in the front. Just get your stuff and leave. That's a deal breaker. Right. So, you know, anybody, you prevent me from seeing Maxwell. We through if I don't kill you. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> We still continued a little bit after that. It was very, it was more like, I need money and you better get it or else kind of thing. So I finally got tired of that. In fact, there was a girl who called me and she was like, I live with him. Uh, You know, we're together. We've been together for pretty much the whole time. You're saying y'all were together. And one of my homegirls works for AT&T, and she pulled his phone bill, and there are 19 other women who are saying the same thing <gasps> that you're saying about y'all being together. Wow. Okay. So you got a total of 20 women, one that you live with. So what's really going on with that? And, you know, I was like, done, done. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you say. I'm done, done. So when we confronted him with now, all Hannah, of that. Now, Hannah, I got a question for Hannah. At some point, he was living with you, too, wasn't he? Wasn't he living with you? He, you oh, know, was that the first he, he, okay. he, he, we didn't live together. No. We okay. spent a okay. lot of time together. But okay, um, he, he lives, lived in a city that was like 45 minutes away from Little Rock. So that's why we oh. spent a lot of time together. But he had stuff at my place. But he had stuff at all these girls' places. So he, you know, I'm like, why do you even have a house in in another city? You don't, what you paying rent for? You living with all these other women? And that's the reason why he his commissions weren't where they were supposed to be, because he didn't have his fucking ass at work. He was trying to spend all this time with all these different women. So, <laughs> duh, that, you know, that's what happened with that. But he was like, they're not really buying cars. No, you're not at work because you're trying to divide all this time 
between all these women. He even had one girl who uh, moved from California. He got up pregnant and, you know, was completely denying that. I, I can't respect anybody who denies their children. I'm not going to do that. So anyway, oh, wow. I told him I was finished with that. And um, he was like, okay, fine. So when he saw that I was actually serious about being finished with relationship, don't call me, I don't care what you do. He actually did call uh, my boss, and he gave her the information, and that's how I got caught. So, you know, the day before I found all of that out, you know, I prayed, and I said, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation, but I just pray that you give me the strength to deal with whatever fallout if that's what happens. The very next day, I'm getting called to the office saying, we know you've been taking money. We got this whole case built against you, but we don't want to have you arrested. So what we'll do is we'll just prosecute you on our own. And because I worked for lawyers, they knew exactly how to do that. They weren't criminal lawyers. They were workers' comp lawyers. But Mm -hmm. still, they knew people in the industry, of course, so they hired a lawyer and – that's how they prosecuted me. So that's how I got caught. He actually turned me in. He got so pissed off that I was not going to continue the relationship the way that it was, and I actually had the audacity to stand up for myself that he turned me in. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So I ended up the uh, my attorneys did, the, my former employer, they did prosecute. They turned the case in over to the U.S. attorney. The U.S. attorney mm-hmm. was like, we can't even find a speeding ticket on you. How did you get from being just, most square person I have ever seen to this. And I explained everything and what happened. You know, the FBI agents came to my apartment and they talked to me and everything, and they said, this is how much money we found. Uh, We haven't finished looking, but if you cop to this amount of money, we won't look anymore. All right, cool. So uh, I I had to get a public defender because, of course, I didn't have money for a criminal lawyer, which they charged like $10,000 and up a pop. It's just starting. Mm-hmm. So, again, if you mm-hmm. are doing something, stop. You know, I'm telling you now, you <laughs> cannot afford it. It is it's more more than a notion, and you cannot afford that. So I had a public defender, and he was all ready to fight and was like, well, it's not what they know. It's what they can prove. I don't have time for that. So the U.S. attorney told me, uh, you know what, here's what we'll do, because we had a big drug case company happening in Arkansas. He said, you plead guilty. I give you one count of wire fraud. The most you'll have to do in prison is two years. If you plead not guilty, then I'm going to hit you with wire fraud. I'm going to hit you with bank fraud. I'm going to hit you with mail fraud. You've got all these charges. Those all carry about five, at least five years per charge. So you're looking at 15 to 20 years if you don't plead guilty. You know what? Give me the two years. I appreciate it. And let me know what I need to do. So that's how I ended yeah. up pleading guilty. And, uh, you know, and that's the reason why I wanted you to use that mugshot on this particular biography, because I want the ladies out there to know this is real life. You know, I'm not yeah. one of those life coaches who try to give you advice from the sidelines. I've been in it. And I want mm. everybody to know that it's not just lip service. This is real life. And I have lived that, and I'm currently living that. So I can actually tell you, no, it's not worth it. This is what to do. And I can also tell you there is life after because so many people yeah. feel like, oh, I've been incarcerated. And I felt like this. I've been incarcerated. People are going to look at me funny. I'm never going to have another relationship. I'm not going to have another job. You know, you just kind of look down on yourself because that's not who you are. 
at that particular point in time, that doesn't define you. But, you know, it was a mistake, and we all make mistakes. The only difference between me and a person making a mistake is I got caught. Period. And, you know, and so, you know I, I, I love what going back into the story, there's, and it's the, I, t- I talked to you about this the other night, too, and there's something that I really want to point out. Cause I, always, I always joke on the show about For My Man and uh, yeah. the ID channel. That's some of my favorite things to watch. And I always tell people anybody can get to a state where you're so messed up, where you're not thinking straight. And you said a number of things about your thought process, what you were going through when you entered that relationship, when you entered that relationship, you were not your best at your best self. You were depleted emotionally, physically, spiritually. And so that's how somebody like that was able to come in on you and prep you, really prep you, you really prepped you for what was getting what was getting ready to happen. So would you, would you can you explain how important state of mind takes you to there? Because I don't think sometimes women. Get get that that it's it's it doesn't start off like yeah where I don't think you know you're in depression. The most the one thing I will say about that is it is imperative that you have enough self love and self awareness mm-hmm. that will prevent someone from infiltrating you like that. You know, mm-hmm. if you are aware of who you are and what role you play and what significance you have in your own life, then nobody, and that's jobs, relationships, family, friends, no one will be able to come in and make you feel less than, or they won't be able to come in and and convince you that this is what you have to do when you know that's not the right thing to do or it's not what you want to do. You know, everything is not a sales pitch. So you just have to... Take the time and, you know, learn how to say no and really take time to take care of yourself. Like I posted this morning on my Instagram page, you can't pour into someone else's cup and your cup is empty. So that's one thing we really have to do as women because especially black women, but women in general, we are expected to take care of so much and to handle so much. You know, we actually are the ones who run the household we just let the man feel like they're the ones in charge. We, we know how to make them mm-hmm. feel like they're the ones in charge, but it's really the women who run the household. Because when something yeah. goes wrong, guess what? Homeboy going to kind of be like, okay, what do I need to do to fix it? You know, and that's just what I saw growing up. So in, in that respect, you just have to make sure that your mental health is uh, on par. You know, it can't be below. You can't spend so much time taking care of everyone else that you don't take care of yourself because you will get lost in your roles or your undertakings. It, you will get lost in trying to be everything to everybody, but you're not, you need to be to yourself. And if you get to that point to where you are solo, that's how a lot of people, I was at the point to where I actually contemplated uh, committing suicide. I just didn't want to be here anymore. I didn't want to mm-hmm. live like that anymore. I didn't want to be depend the the one that everybody depended on. I didn't want to be codependent in a relationship because I was dependent on people for my happiness. You have to mm. find your own happy within yourself because the minute you lose that person, the minute you lose that job, the minute you lose that house, anything that you are attaching your happiness to can be gone in an instant. So 
if you lose any of those things, it's like, where is my identity? What do I do now? Because this is what defined me. And now that I don't have that anymore, I don't know what to do with myself. So, you know, yeah, I've yeah. gotten to that point. So a lot of people don't really understand that for me, and this is just me, I'm not recommending this for anybody, going to prison, going to the federal prison camp was actually a lifesaver. That was a life-saving mm. thing for me because when I – got there, and it really didn't hit home until I got there, and I was like, how the hell did I get here? And that was, the, you are sitting in a federal prison camp. Never in a million years would I have thought I would end up at the, looking at people who went to prison. Degrees like, and everything. <laughs> let, let me say this, how the degrees and everything. You, you, Degree, ladies, <laughs> listen out here. Degrees, okay. Smart MBA uh, with masters, okay. This is so it's not a girl, a, ch- a chick in the hood, or just down on her luck. This is somebody <laughs> who had it going on. So that that's that that's I can see how that can check. Girl, go ahead. <laughs> I when I got there, along those lines, when I got there, you would be surprised at how many doctors were there. Tax professionals no, were there. Lawyers <laughs> yeah. were there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Professional state legislators were there. That surprised mm. me because I always had an idea. You know, there's a stigma behind it, and mm-hmm. the society will tell you this is the people that's behind bars. These are the people who, you know, commit recidivism and all the rest of that. And when you get there and mm-hmm. see it for yourself, it's like, wow. When I tell you I was at the camp, I kicked it. That was like the best time I had had up until that point because I was no longer responsible for anybody else's problems. I was completely away from this dumb dude, number two. Yeah. Um, if, I wanna, if I didn't want to deal with the person, guess what? They couldn't call me. They couldn't just pop up on me. If I didn't want to mm-hmm. deal with somebody, I just didn't have to call or I didn't email. You know, I could just disappear. And it was like that was the most peaceful time. And it gave me a chance to actually do a lot of self-reflection because my plan when I got there was I was going to go to work. I was going to try to save up enough money so when I got home, I would go to the halfway house and I didn't, I wouldn't have to move home with my parents. I would be able to just pick back up where I left off. None of that happened. Mm-hmm. When I got there, I was diagnosed with diabetes. They told me, you can't work because you can't wear the steel toe boots. Okay. So I couldn't work couldn't get any more things up. Even if I could work, they weren't paying them but 30 cents an hour. You talk about slave wages? Yeah. yeah, I think the slaves weigh more than the prisoners. And, and that, they, that's true. That is true. There were certain areas mm-hmm. that paid maybe like a dollar an hour. But other than that, no, they don't get paid money and stuff like that. So that and was you know taken what, away. I'm, I'm thinking about for you, so that you, like you, what you're getting ready to say about you having got all the things that you thought you were going to do, you had planned to, because you, most of your life, what I've heard you talking about, just telling this story, you're a planner. So yes. most everything you, you had a plan for, but this time it was like God was sending you in there and said, sit down, be quiet, yep. get to your, listen to yourself. And you, and that is you, you came to yourself. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. That, and that's what I was getting ready to lead up to, you know, when when um, I had all this planned out or whatever. But during mm-hmm. the course of everything that was going on, I was not um, cultivating my relationship with God. 
So mm. when I got to Ellisville, everything I had planned did not pan out. So it was like, okay, what is your excuse now? You have no excuse. So mm. the only thing I could do was go to the chapel and study in my Bible every day. And, you know, I was one of the ones who I went to church because I was raised in the church, but I didn't have my own relationship. So, you know, the preacher would say a book of the Bible that I wasn't familiar with. I haven't looked at the table of comments. I'm not going to say it in a minute. I would look at the table of contents because I didn't know. And coming mm-hmm. out of Aliceville, I had such a, a stronger, more solidified relationship with God. Now I can flip, you know, you say a book of the Bible, I know where it is. And I study yeah. on my own, so I'm not just like an autopilot. But, yes, I had a particular plan for what was going to go down when I got there, and none of that happened. And I was like, okay, yeah. you know, whatever, so let me surrender to you. I met a wonderful group of ladies. When I tell you they are the bomb, and the ones who are home are doing tremendous things. I mean, to the point I'm sitting at home like, hey, when is going to be my turn? When you get up off your butt and do what you need to do, because they are working <laughs> hard, and they are working very hard to reestablish themselves in society. So I never thought I would have met some of the people and fostered some of the relationships that I did in prison. You know, when I first got there, I would see ladies leaving, and I was like, dang, I can't wait till I leave. They would be crying. They would be hugging one another. They would, you know, be like sad that they were leaving. And I'm like, why are you sad that you're leaving prison? But I get it. Because for some of those ladies, mm-hmm. that was the only support system that they had. They had never had wow. support like that. And it's because we understand each other. And it's not that people on the outside can't understand, but you get a different. It's kind of like us with Maxwell. People on the outside mm-hmm. don't understand why we love him so much. But those of us who do, we just kind of get each other and we click. Well, it's the same way with the ladies from Alexville. You know, we understand mm-hmm. what others have gone through. We understand what you're going through now because society will say, oh, you know, you go to prison, you rehabilitate yourself, you come home, and you move on with your life. But that's not necessarily true because guess what? When you apply for that job and they do their background check and they see that <laughs> yeah. federal conviction, yeah. Either they're going to say, okay, explain to me what happened, or they're just going to say, nah, you know, whatever. Because I've had jobs who they hired me. They got that yeah. background check and saw that I had a federal commitment, and it might have wire fraud. So it's like, okay, and I'm in finances, so, you know, they're like, what happened? I had to explain ad nauseum what happened and how I got to that point, and they still were like, mm, okay, well, thanks for no thanks. So, you know, you kind of get held to a particular spot. You know, there are people who mm. committed their crime 10 years ago. But if it still shows up, you're still having to talk about that. You know, for me, mine was 2017. And this yeah. year, like six years later, you're still having to talk about that. So, you know, I, I took, it took me a while to get to this point where I can actually be open about it, one, because of the embarrassment. And that's what I want to let everybody know. You don't have to be embarrassed by your situation. Even if you are never incarcerated or whatever, just you don't have to suffer in silence. If you are Mm -hmm. going through something, there are people out there to help. Another stigma that I need to talk about and bust up is that black people don't get depressed. Yes, we do. You know, there has been so much about, you know, oh, black people are strong, they can persevere, you know, look at where they came. We are not our ancestors, you know, unfortunately. They had a lot to deal with. They dealt with it the best way that they could, 
but we have so many more resources available to us now. So where it's time out to be sitting there, you know, and your mental health is completely at zero, and you're not getting the help because a lot of people these days are seeking, they're taking permanent solutions to temporary problems. Because the, That's the right. bottom line is, Say that again. <laughs> permanent solutions to a temporary problem. Because mm-hmm. believe it or not, trouble don't last always. You know, it may seem That's like right. it, especially if it's an extended period of time. But again, like I said, when I was mm-hmm. at Adamsville, it was not at all what you would expect. We had washers and dryers, we had microwaves. The biggest argument those ladies had was if somebody jumped the line at the microwave. You know, we had movie <laughs> nights where it had Good food. And I'm telling you now, I missed some of that prison food because they were cooking. They were getting stuff from Thomasville. And I would be like, hey, yeah. how, y'all, how you make a out of this? You know, or how do you make yeah. They were making some good food. And I was like, I'm going to get shot. But I didn't, you know, because I didn't work. I was either in the chapel yeah. or on the track all day long. You know, we didn't have, our doors didn't lock. We didn't have fences. I mean, when my lawyer told me it's just like being at home, you just can't leave, it it really was just like being at home. But, again, I got a chance to really figure out who I was at that particular point and make some changes. And they were necessary changes for me to make in order to be able to succeed when I got home. So now I gotta ask you, do you? I gotta ask you, do you do you plan on? Because this is it's such a great story, and I think that so many women can benefit from it. And me and you have talked. I know what the answer is from my point of view, but from what you told me. But do you plan on putting this in a book, or because I think this would be such a great story to share with women, and you have so much to say. I think that would be great. So, what do you think? Are Are you thinking about that? You know, when you mentioned it the other day, and, and of course, some other um, projects that we talked about the other day, I was like, I had been thinking about it. But, you know, here's what happened. I had a friend that I met on Instagram, and she's a Max lover also, and she self-published the book. And she was telling mm-hmm. me, you really need to write your story in the book. So I was like, okay. And, again, this goes back to attaching your happiness to somebody else. So I was like, you know what, she's real cool. And and she was one of my absolute biggest supporters. So um, just when I was getting ready to sit down and finally get my thoughts together, because, again, like you said, Virgo, my thoughts be everywhere. You know, I'll start a project, and then I'll start a project, and then I'll start a project, and then I got all these unfinished projects, and I'm so, you know, wired about it. It's like, okay, let me just lay down and eat cookies. So anyway, with her, she was such an inspiration and one of my biggest supporters, and we were going to work together on it because I've never written a book before. We were going to work together on it. Well, guess what? She contracted COVID and she died. So oh that was like, yeah, that happened last year. Uh, and, and you may have remember seeing her name on Instagram. She went by the Real Shoe Girl on Instagram. No. But when I tell oh you, that was such a blow. I mean, that literally knocked me back down. And, you know, it kind of just took the, the wind from beneath my face, wings on that. So mm-hmm. uh, I put everything on hold. You know, even doing the Love, Lust, and Black now, I put everything on hold because I just didn't have the heart for it after that happened. And then so many people, you know, we had so much loss and so much 
all of that going on, you know, and me, the two of me and her were planning on meeting at one of Maxwell's shows in person for the first time. So, you know, when I got the word that she passed away, it just was like, wow. So I kind of just took a took a stop. You know, it, I had to stop and regroup. So now, you know, where I am now, I'm finally picking back up with everything, including the like man, because I've got. I've gotten my, my, my drive back. And then there have been some other things that have happened even since I've been back home that let me know, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. Because when you're not walking in your purpose, everything else that you try to do is not going to work. That's <laughs> right. It's not <laughs> And, you know, it keeps pressing on me and pressing on me and pressing on me. And I keep thinking about it and I keep, well, I kept talking myself out of it, saying, you know, I, because I don't know how I'm going to be received. You don't, you don't ever know how people are going to be received. And we right. talk about, you know, I get an incredible amount of hate, you know, on social oh, media. Yeah. And you have to realize those are people who are unhappy with themselves. They're just better with themselves. Right. So uh, you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt. But um, I was working for the state of Arkansas in 2020, and then I went to another job, which was Arkansas Blue Cross Blue Shield. Loved that job. But I was going to customer mm-hmm. service, so I started at the bottom. Well, last year I transferred to a different department, and I had a mm-hmm. gut feeling that I probably should not have done that, but I was just ready to get off the phones. I was ready for a better work schedule. You know, I had gotten my little cousin mm-hmm. living with me, and I was working one to ten, so I was like, these are day hours. is more conducive to me being able to spend quality time with her, not getting off at 10 o'clock at night. So I took the job uh, against better judgment. I was very apprehensive about it because I was thinking, what if they have to run another background check and they see my background? Now, keep in mind, I passed the background check when I first got there in 2020. Nothing came up. Yeah. So working in this office, and it just let me know I was where I was supposed to be at that particular time because nothing came up. So anyway, I working in the office, a bunch of women. You know, I don't fool with a bunch of women for a reason, but um, a bunch of women, a bunch of us. And those women were, you know, like I would walk in and say, hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Or they just wouldn't speak at all. There was this one chick who we were walking out of the restroom, and I was directly behind her. That happened at the doggo. Let it hit me. You know, little stuff like that. And so you could tell they were not with themselves, and for me to come in, basically, a ray of sunshine or whatever, they didn't like that. So eventually, I just stopped trying. You know, I would come in, I would speak or whatever. If they asked me a work-related question, I would answer it, but I just kind of withdrew into myself, and I was looking for other jobs at that particular point, because I'm like, this atmosphere is very hostile. This ain't it. So we had a company meeting on my two-year anniversary. We had a company meeting that I had originally declined to go to, but our director made such a huge thing about, oh, we always go together, you know, we're a work family, and you can't not go. Well, at that point, I was on medication for hypertension and for diabetes, and both of them uh, caused dizziness. So we walked over to the location for the meeting. By the time we got there, I was so sick. And I think I told you this, even when Max came to Little Rock, we were at his show in Little Rock, I was so sick like nauseated yeah. and dizzy that I felt like I was going to pass out. So when they were eating lunch, I was kind of sitting back behind everybody, and I was just drinking water because I felt like if I ate something, I was going to throw it all up. But I shouldn't have to tell you that. You know, if I don't want to eat, first of all, community food, and they had everybody 
coughing all on it and licking their fingers. I'm not doing that anyway. You know, COVID is still a thing, but I, I right. feel well, but I didn't say anything. So later on that evening, I was getting my hair done, and I got a call from the top director, and he said, um, you know, you have a few minutes to talk. And I was like, yeah, it's like 5 o'clock. I was like, yeah, what's up? And he said, well, something came through that shows you have a felony conviction for wire fraud. Is that true? Wow. And I was like, yeah, you know, because, again, I have the background. At this point, I didn't know that my background didn't show on the background. So I was like, well, yeah, why are you asking me that? And you, I've been working for the company for two years. And he was like, okay, unfortunately, you can no longer work for Arkansas Blue Cross Blue Shield. And I was like, what? So filed a complaint with Human Resources to figure out what happened. Come to find out from the director, he said, well, there was a discussion amongst the work group where someone Googled your name and they found that information and turned it in. Okay. So oh, that's clearly, terrible. Why, why didn't, that's something that they could have done. That's, 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 that's wild. <laughs> but the thing about wow. it, they and did. They, they did. They conducted a background check and I passed it. But they yeah. got in outside information from somebody who took the time out of their miserable lives to Google me and see what they can find on me. And that is what they found. Wow. So they turned it in, and the HR director said, from a liability standpoint, now that we know, we can't unknow. Because he even said, okay. you know, I ran your background today. Nothing came up. So from their particular viewpoint, I was clear. But because they know that information, and I didn't try to hide that information, they could not reinstate me. So there's some legal stuff happening behind the scene with that. You know, even though Arkansas yeah. isn't at will state still, there's, you know, and I don't want to go too much further with that because um, right. there's still some stories behind that. So because I'm, even if they tell me, you know, there's nothing we can do, I'm still, you know, I'm going to get you. Like there was one well, thing that was an honor. <laughs> And that's crazy. Yeah, that's just such a crazy. And that's such a crazy thing because it's it's it's, it's outer. It's people, employees googling and kind of. It's almost yeah. like work gossip. So I I see what you're. And I I won't I won't press you further on that. But what I yeah. will say now is that you are doing. I want to talk about the two two things you're doing that right now you're doing. You have your love, lust, and am I got that right? Love, lust, blackmail. To get correct. Uh, and you yeah. have your Maxwell pages. So I want people to know where they can find you, where they can hear your story, where they can hear more of you. Talk, yeah. You do lives, everything. So go ahead. Go ahead and talk about those two. Yeah. On Instagram, you can find me, and this is a funny name, MaxwellGirl17 is uh, where I am on Instagram and also on Twitter. Um, the Love, Lust, and Blackmail, it is love, L-O-V-E underscore lust, L-U-S-T, blackmail, B-L-A-C-K-M-A-I-L. That's on Instagram. On Twitter, it is lust underscore V-E. And you can find me there. And also on Facebook under Love, Lust, Blackmail, Incorporated. But, you know, it's time to take off. And I know we also said it's in a fledgling state right now. But, and again, you know, I had all those things, even with the firing, that just let me know that I was becoming too comfortable in a place where I wasn't supposed to be. Because that was the weirdest thing. I mean, how do you just get fired yeah. from somebody Googling? You know, so that is what the point I was making on that is um, when you're not where you're supposed to be, but you try to make yourself be comfortable in that place. No, you are going to get kicked. I got kicked in the back again out of that particular spot. So that just further let me know that it's time to take off. So 2023, 
it's definitely time to take off. You know, I just want to let the ladies know, you know, and men, you know, you are enough. Whether you've been incarcerated or not, don't ever let anybody try to convince you that you have to ascribe to their agenda or to their ideals. You be you. You do you. Your life matters. So take care of yourself first. Always take care of yourself before you take care of someone else because so many people will grab and grab and grab and take pieces away from you to where there's nothing left. And, again, when you need something, you being the go-to person, you don't have anyone to go to, that will wear you out. And, you know, we've had so much loss over the last few years with COVID and then trying to come back from that. And then, you know, just recently I was talking to somebody, what's going on with all these people going into cardiac arrest? All of a sudden, you know, I know it's, like every, it's so sad. You know, yes. people go, so it's like, and, you know, they're young people, young. You know, we just lost Lisa Marie Presley at 54. I'm like, okay, she's only nine years older than me. A young man with the Buffalo Bills, even though he recovered still, this is a yeah. 20 something year old kid, you know. So, well, you know, not, I just look at it. I look at it as the end times. It's a, it's a part in the Bible where the Bible says that men's hearts will fail them because of the fear. Yeah because of the fear of things they see coming upon the earth or something like that. And so I feel like people with that, with that scripture, it always means people are under so much stress, so much, yeah. you know, on so many things. I mean, they're, you know, that people are doing, I mean, as some, you know, a lot of times, sometimes the cardiac arrest, or I don't know what's particular is going on with Lisa Marie Presley, what happened with her. But a lot of times, sometimes, yeah. you know, drugs are behind the scenes and stuff like that. So people are yeah. like, it's like people are falling apart because of how this, the world is, to me, the world is being shaken right now in so many forms. And so I think people are yeah. just having, yeah, so people are just having a hard time with which way are we going, where are we going. And there is a certain amount of sadness for the world, the state of the world that you once lived in is no more. You know what I'm saying? So now you have to adjust to a new world. And I think people are just struggling. It, it, you know, it, it's a struggle. It's a it's a yeah. it's a it's a, a big thing. So I I want I want to thank you so much because for coming on and sharing your story with me, and I, I really wanted people to hear you because nobody can tell the story like you. You you yeah. tell it with such uh you tell it with such um power and and, and what I love about it when you tell this story that you have so many little things of encouragement in it. Like you tell. You, when you tell this story, I can I know that you you got what you you got it. You got whatever the lesson it was that you needed to get. I can see that you have gotten that lesson, and I, I my prayer is that people really listen to this to you what you've been through, and hopefully somebody who hears this show, if you're in a bad situation right now, you get out of it, so you don't have to go yes. as far. <laughs> yes, you know, yes, um, yes. yes. And Hannah and talked about the depression. Yes, and you talked about you hit on so many things: depression, therapy, grief, all kinds of things. So, if you guys are just now tuning into the show and you miss Hannah, remember there is a art. This show will always be in the archives. You can go back and listen to it. It'll be up on Apple's Apple iTunes uh, as soon as uh, probably usually about a, a thirty minutes or so after the show. So you can go back and listen to anything you missed of her. Go ahead, Anna. Yes, and if they have any questions or want to talk further, they can hit me up on, again on Instagram, Maxwell Girl Seventeen. Uh, same on Twitter. Um, 
Yeah, just hit me up. And, you know, you... and I want to say my my last question for you too before you you do a Maxwell page. She yeah. has a Maxwell page, and, and it's really if you're a Maxwell fan, you'll love it. She's she's interactive. She talks to you. It's one of my favorite pages. So you guys check her out, Hannah, and they can look. That's the Maxwell girl, right? Yeah, yeah, Maxwell girl. And it's um, I I used seventeen. But that's the year that I I met him in person. Okay. Twenty seventeen. So it's Maxwell girl seven. Yes, I am here. If anybody needs to talk. I am that person. If you don't want to talk to people that you actually know, you can talk to me. I am That's out here. Thank you, thank you <laughs> Hannah. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you. Hopefully, I, you know what? This ain't. Hopefully, this is not the last time I bring you on again. Maybe you can you can shoot the breeze with me when we talk when I talk about something else. So I, I hope I can invite you anytime, again. <laughs> anytime. And thank you for having me. You know, it, it it's a, a scary thing to put yourself out there. But now that I've got my first one under my belt, I'm ready. So anytime, girl, yeah. we're going to do this. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so now I'm going to leave out with you. I'm going to leave out. We're going to take a break. I'm going to leave out uh, for the break with Hannah's fave, my fave, Maxwell. It's one of my favorite songs <laughs> from Maxwell. Maxwell never plays it at his concert. I don't know what his deal is, but let's not play the game. This is the CC Show. I'm Carlotta, and I'll be back in a moment, y'all. <laughs>
All right. That's Beyonce with my shit right there. <laughs> Stop it. That's funny. That's the dope. I got to give it to her. That's the dope-ass song, Cuff It. I love I love that damn song. When I first heard the album this summer, I was like, eh. But when I heard that, I knew that was the song. I was like, that is the one. That's the one she just started off with. Anyway, but I digress. You guys t- just now turning into tuning into the Carolina Chat with show. I am back. We had our guest on Hannah Hampton, and she was so great. Listen, I love that story. I didn't listen. I didn't want to interrupt her because she has such, tells the story in such a powerful way. I feel like nobody can tell their story like them. You know, especially when you've been through some real shit like that. You know, it's it, it's so powerful. Here's the thing. There were so many powerful things, so many nuggets that she gave in that, just for women in general. Like, if you're going through some real shit in your life, I mean, she really gave some powerful nuggets. One of the things I love, she talked about the way she touched on a little bit about the way she was raised and what she saw growing up, the dynamics of that and how, you know, one of the things she said I thought was powerful, she talked about her mom make was the money maker. So for her... You know, seeing that dynamic, that 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 the roles and how how she saw roles, and I think that when when I, I may have her back on and we talk about this about the way you see roles because you know when you if you see roles like that, it's it's it's, it's a little different when the woman's the head of household or something like that, or or, or she's the money maker in the family, and 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 how that affects. I remember I have uh, my friend on uh, who wrote a book. Sheila, um, a few years ago, and she had a powerful story. And listen, she lived around the corner from me growing up. And I never knew half the stuff that was going on with Sheila was going on. She wrote a very powerful book uh, about her young childhood and her life. And one of the things she talked to me about on the show was roles and how you see how those how that affected her in choosing a mate, and listen, it, it, Sheila had a powerful story like hers, and so, um, you know, it, it, that can affect you in how you, how you choose men, how you choose different things, and the state that you're in. I love that she hit on the state that she was in when she got into a relationship, because sometimes people don't understand. People will start off a certain way. You may come into your, your relationships and stuff, and not understanding that you could have been in a certain state when you when you marry somebody or when you get into a relationship with somebody, and if you're not in a healthy place, oh my God, where it can take you! I mean, you can go to depths that are unbelievable, and that's why I even I joke on here about shows like Love After Lockup, but that's why I love shows like that because it can show people's state of mind or what they're dealing with when they go into, and I, I'm going to, I was going to talk about love after lockout. I may save that for a little bit later on in the show, maybe uh, talk about it because we got to get into the news and stuff like that. We may do a part two to this show so I can get more, give you guys talk more got about the news and stuff like that. But um, uh, I also love the way she said she felt like that guy. She said something, I meant to ask her about this too, but she said something about, she felt that he was doing her a favor. And I was like, wow, oh, man. 
man, you know, that, that was such a powerful, if I want to interrupt because the story was so good, but listen, listen, ladies, hey, wait a minute, you the prize. I always remember that. I don't care. I tell women all the time, whether you with somebody, when you not with somebody, whatever, you are, listen, you are the prize, okay? Now, I believe in that. I think what well, I believe in Rose too. I'm an old fashioned chick, so what you know, I think men do this something different than women, you know. Because I'm I'm I believe in the state of that when women have women have roles. Not we not to do you gotta be barefoot and pregnant and all that stuff. It's much different nowadays, but I do believe women uh uh there are there are certain roles that you can play in your relationship and marriages and, and things like that. And um, uh, you have to under, have balance in those roles and right? understand what those roles are. And when you once you lose balance, once you start to see, uh, and, you know, that, that things, I think it's hard, especially sometimes for women, because sometimes we can see things are not working sometimes, and it takes us a long time to really come, because we, you know, come to the state of where we start thinking, like, damn, this this shit ain't working, you know, whatever, and so, um, I, and, and it, it can take you down a path sometimes, like, in the sense, in Hannah's case, where she stayed way too long with that guy, and she would tell you that, too, so I thought, just, I think it's just a powerful story, and I hope you guys get to listen uh, uh, to more of her story, um, uh, uh, if you missed it, if you missed the story, you get to go back and listen to the archive shows, or you can go to Apple iTunes and the show it will be on there also. Okay, all right. So I said I wasn't going to do it. It's a word until afterwards, but I saw some stories <laughs> this week on on in the news, and I was just like, you know, it just got me to thinking about so many things and about us as black women and Hannah touched on a couple of things about how black women we take on so much and everything like that. But also, I mean, I was just looking, especially coming from the world of, um, I, you know, what, what I do here is I do, I do celebrity news. The majority of my shows sometimes is celebrity news, celebrity gossip or stuff like that. But I also want you guys sometimes to hear these stories and stuff because I feel like I'll try to put a lesson to it or something like that or joke about it for it to, to help you. Uh, and sometimes I'm just being crazy, right? But um, one of the things I think celebrity has done over the years, this is something just that I've seen in the recent years, is that it will make you question it's not all celebrities, but I'm just saying because we were just talking we had, I was having a discussion with someone this week about you know how how it looks like you know black relationships just don't work in this world of celebrities. You always see the men if they're wealthy or something like that they're getting with other women, white women all kinds of stuff, and sometimes those things are sold to us like has the thing to do. Even I was looking at, you know, like uh, they are sold to black women has, oh, you know, look, your men don't even marry you, you know, and stuff like that, because they put these often a lot of these celebrity things out there and stuff like that promoted. And sometimes I always, I believe, even though this could just be people's personal love life or whatever, but 
sometimes I think that people, they will use these type of uh, stories and things to reiterate to black women the thing of, look at you. You're, you can't even hold your household up. Stuff like that. And it's, it's even gotten harder for black women with the, you know, man's fear. And I'm getting somewhere with this. Trust me. Um, but images being reinforced of like now you have, and, and, and this is not to diss this young lady because she's a very beautiful young lady, Lori Harvey, but you, you're you even seeing this image of Lori Harvey just being pushed. And sometimes I joke about Lori Harvey like, hey, she lived life and all that stuff. But also I, I really want black women to see that you can be inspired by how she keeps her beauty regimen uh, and all that stuff, but to understand that She's Steve Harvey's stepdaughter. She's got a lot of access to a lot of things. And it just, it makes women think, a lot of women in society, especially a lot of young people, think that you can just walk into shit. Like, you just, like, you don't got to have nothing out here. You you just, you just come, you just come out and dress real pretty and look real good and show up on social media and you a star, baby. <laughs> but you not, you don't got Steve Harvey for a stepdaddy. And what I want I really just want to impose on black women, all these things are coming at us, images in our relationships, images, especially from the celebrity world, images and how we should be, um, uh, images that are constantly being reinforced that you're not attractive, you're too old, where are you wearing this wrong, this and that. I mean, to me, there's been a constant assault on um not only on the black woman itself, but on our womb. And and I think this has been going on for decades. And um, I just want to say there is nothing, year, years ago, there's nothing like rejection for black women. I just, because I, I feel like I was looking at just, 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 this is my it's the world. It's going to sound like I'm all over the place, but really I'm not. Uh, my it's a word this week is that black women. I feel like that for decades we've been seeing these messages, especially black American women. I really want to speak to you because specifically all women, can, black women can listen to this across the diaspora. Love you all, but specifically black American women because I feel like there have been these messages of rejection, these messages. I love what Hannah said. You're enough these messages come in that you are not enough and that, uh, you know, there's a constant rejection. And that could be a lot on the psyche of black women. And then we're also seeing, you know, where you're seeing black women, you're seeing certain images given up like of black women, especially I feel like some of the celebrity world sometimes is pumped too much as a guru. They're, they're, they're working overtime as gurus, activists. It's too much. I mean, you know, that's put on the celebrity world that at one time, I mean, you know, they wouldn't be considered that. But a lot of people go to celebrity in our community for answers that they shouldn't be going to them for. And so, um, and through that world, sometimes we get assaulted in ways that we, I don't think we see. Uh, you know, uh, with the images and, and things that come out. So what I just want to say to you as black women today, that you are in the blessed place in society. Ain't nothing like rejection to grow. Ain't nothing like, uh, you know, there, I always talk about, years ago I was going to do a magazine, and 
uh, um, I was thinking about editing a digital magazine. We started it for a little while, but it's just a lot of work. But uh, and uh, the story I, I I used to use the story of Leah at the beginning of it because the story of Leah in the Bible. There's a story about how um, there was a, a sister Rachel who was very beautiful, and Jacob. The story of Jacob, Rachel, and Leah. If you ever seen it in the Bible, you can look it up. But if there's a story about this guy uh, wanting to, he sees this beautiful girl and he want he he thinks she's so beautiful that he he asks the father, can he work for her? And the father makes him work for her for seven years. And when he finally, uh, after the seven years, he comes, you know, he goes to bed that night thinking that he's going to bed. You know, the father tricks him, turns out the lights in the bedroom, and he thinks he's going to bed with Rachel. But he ends up going to bed with her younger sister, Lee, I mean, her older sister, Leah. And when he wakes up in the morning, he figures, finds out it's Leah. He's hurt. He's upset because Leah is not as supposedly to his standards. And I'm not saying this about black women because I think we're the most beautiful women on the planet. But to his standards, Leah is not the beautiful one. She's, she's the, what the Bible says, she's tender-eyed or she's not as beautiful as her younger sister. So he works another seven years to gain this sister. And during this story of this, 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 this whole thing, uh, this in this story, he's constantly, you know, uh, everything. Leah or nor Rachel could have. Um, um, I think Rachel could have children at first, but Leah couldn't have children. I think Leah would. No, it was Leah. Can't remember the story, but I think one of them couldn't have children at first. I think it's Rachel, and then, um, but Leah's producing children. But even though he's Leah's not his favorite. And throughout this story, eventually what happens in the story, Rachel bears children. She ends up bearing children, two children. And in childbirth, she dies because one of, with one of them because, the, um, the, um, uh, because there's a particular sheep that the Bible explains it, that she took idols from her father's house out of the, you know, with them as they go to the new land. And that was a no-no, but part of the punishment may have been that she died in childbirth. Preachers correct me out here if I'm wrong. But uh, Leah, and then, but in the story, I'm telling you guys the story because this is my, it's the word. Okay, so in the story, uh, Leah continues on. Leah, who ends up having the uh, one of the, the remnants of what would be the story of, part of the story of Christ, Leah goes on with him. He ends up burying Rachel in the desert. Okay? Uh, and in the end of this story, at the end of the story, the girl who was rejected, the girl who he didn't, who he didn't seem like he cared about that much. There's a very, it's a small part of the story in the Bible. It's one story. It's a part. It's a part that I've always looked. And this is what I was talking when I built this. Why I named this magazine I did the way I did it years ago. But in this, in this, in the story. The Bible, I mean, the Bible says that right when Jacob died, he asked to be buried next to Leah. He doesn't ask for Rachel. He asked for Leah. And I thought, oh, that's a powerful story because she, she was the rejected one. But she stood the test of time. And so I just want to say this to, to black women, not that you got to be chosen by anybody or you got to be chosen by a man in society, but I, I feel like Jacob is a picture of society. 
that it may look like sometimes people are picking things over you. It may look like you ain't the bomb. You not this. You not that. Specifically, Black American women, we really catch it. But let me just say to you, let me just say this: that you, to me, are the leaders of the world. You are the you are the people that people will will, will uh, erect monuments to. In the end, if you uh, if you let rejection be used for your good. And that you start to, as black women, we start to see how powerful and beautiful we are. And we start to change the narratives of our lives. I know I joke on here about a lot of stuff, love that block, about that stuff. But seriously, if we change the narratives of who we, who, we, who we think we should be in society, and we change that around and use that rejection for our good, because rejection can create the greatest, the greatest comeback. Okay, the greatest story. So don't be afraid of society rejecting you. Remember the story of Leah in the end. In the end, he was asking. He didn't he didn't say, Let me go take me out to the desert and bury me next to Rachel. No. He said, I want to be buried next to Leah. And I think I always thought that was a powerful story. In the end, he knew what was what was what was um grounded, what grounded him as a man. And I'm not saying that for just us talking about black men. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying as a society and how it may seem like society rejects you and doesn't think you're all, that seems like you're not all that. They reject the power of your sexuality, the power of your sensuality, the power of who you are, and they put up other people and other cultures and other things that's better than you. But trust me, People, if we keep going in our strength and in our power, people will someday erect monuments to the thing, the, the power of black women. And specifically, I really point out black American women because black American women have had it the harshest because, like I always say, these images have went out on television and everything about people defining who they think we are. You know what I'm saying? Who we are. Songs have been made about black American women and stuff like that. And the definitions of sometimes us being angry, sometimes us not being feminine, sometimes us not being, um, there is no, there is no image of black women that has went out more than the black traditional American woman. That's because America is a superpower. So America put out the stories of urban neighborhoods and stuff like that. So a lot of the women sometimes that you would see from Felicia Rashad, from Bill Cosby show, to Good Times, Florida, or something like you see a spectrum of black women. And sometimes uh, those some images sometimes were not always, you know, not always they would be criticized or not always so good or, or people think they know us and it can define us. But I just want to say to you that we have to define ourselves. And, you know, and understand that we are the prize and we we do not have to, we don't have to receive what society says about us. And that's how it's a word. I hope it makes sense, okay? <laughs> I really do. I really do. That's a, it's a word I wanted to have for you today because I've been seeing certain things and I was like, wow, you know, it, it's, it's kind of crazy out here, the messages that they try to send us. But I, we don't have to always accept those messages, okay? All right, y'all. So I'm getting into the news. What time I got? Y'all know. Listen here, okay? Y'all know how to do it. We got to get to We, we probably going to have to have part two.
because I'm not going to be able to get to you. We're going to have to have a too, okay? So, okay, let's start off. Lisa Marie Presley this week passed away. Uh, 50, was it 54 years old? My gosh. Now, they haven't said what happened with Lisa. You know, nobody knows yet. But I do know she has struggled sometimes with, um, she has struggled with drug usage. I'm not saying that's what happened this time. Um, but I will say this. I saw a special, this is a sideboard, because I'm not saying that's what happened to her this time. I'm not saying that's what happened. I don't know. They haven't had any autopsies and anything like that but that I know of. But here's what I will say. I saw a special this week about a uh, doctor was on talking about fentanyl and, and, this, and drugs. Listen, here, I'm going to tell y'all, y'all better, quit get, y'all better be careful. I miss you, you be getting high. I'm just telling you. I ain't just saying, I'm not saying it's because Lisa Marie, I don't know what's going on with her, but I'm just saying it just made me thought about, thought about it because she, she did at one time have a drug problem. Let me tell y'all, even weed, they were saying be careful. We done got that crazy. They out here putting fentanyl in marijuana. And smoke some shit and can't come back. I was looking at Bootsy. What's the little Bootsy? This little Bootsy was talking about how I talk about he was talking about he was talking about drugs, fentanyl this week or something. He had a little a saying, he was like, uh, He's talking about, just, you know, just going to be a crackhead. They were so much more crackheads are happy. <laughs> I was like, oh, he was telling why not to use. Because, you know, if you, with crack, with, with crack, the reason why the fentanyl situation really hasn't a crack, because crack is a, is a drug that you have to cook if you know anything about it. You ever seen, you know anything about crack. So usually stuff like that, fentanyl, stuff like that can't sustain itself within that kind of thing. But he was telling people to be go back to crack. I say stay away from it all because, it, listen, crack was a slow death to me when I used to see people. I mean, that's the worst. Because I'd have had people who was on crack in my family. Well, let me tell you, it ain't nothing. It's it just seeing it. Like seeing it. I remember the 80s. Lord have mercy. When it used to be really bad in the 80s and 90s. And they just, the crackheads just be walking down the street. I mean, you see people who used to know, like, back in the day, you're like, damn, she done got on that stuff. I mean, I mean, and then, oh, it's two drugs. I'm, it's not all, all of them bad. Heroin is terrible. Uh, pe- uh, 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 and people, I used to run from people. If I see people if, on anything, PCP, that way, oh, Lord, uh-uh, uh-uh, you ain't seen that. That's a demon. All of it's a demon, but that's a demon. That's a demon, demon, that stuff right there. And then crack, it wasn't nothing pretty about crack. Mm-mm. I'm with crack is whack. That's, that it was nothing pretty. It was a slow, slow, slow death. Now, maybe an instant death because the people were never themselves again. Like when you see, like if you know a relative before pre-crack and after crack, you'd be like, damn. I even had a friend I grew up with. And she'd come by the house sometimes. She was on that stuff, and I'd be like, I'd give her a little sandwich and I'm like, damn, she fucked up. Like, I mean, like, you know, like, it's just, it was, like, I was as a teenager, I was like, damn, what happened? Like, Pete wasn't there. That shit, ain't nothing cute, Boosie, about that shit. I would say bring me back, bring back crack. Crack was happy, but don't bring back none of them. 
I'm just telling y'all, be careful out here with these, these drugs, okay? But the reason I brought that up is because of Lisa Marie Press. I'm not saying that's what happened to her, but she did have one time um, uh, a, a drug problem. So, I mean, you know, hey, stay away from the drugs, okay? All right, so um, what else is in the news? I know y'all said I was going get, to get back with Love After Lockup. What I may be doing is I might do a part two and then we'll talk about love after, uh, and I'll do uh, this, uh, the other part of love after lockup, the other two, three couples I need to do. So I'll probably do that. Um, I might do that tomorrow. I may try. Don't, don't, don't. Y'all know how I be doing. Don't. I can't promise y'all anything, okay? Okay. This week, did I see Kanye West got married to a Kim Kardashian lookalike? I'm drinking in time. Yeah, I know how to be doing. According to Boss, of Kanye West quietly wears Yeezy architect, Bianca Sensory. Am I saying her name right? <laughs> and you know what? Listen, who, who I don't question her. No, 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 no. I question her. Girl, you know his ass. And this is, women, will, women will do some shit. That's what I'm talking about. We got to restore the balance out of these streets. Because a, a man got some fame and some money, some shit you need to let let go and let go. Like, what are you doing? Why would you? He just got up. This man been running around with all kinds of people. He, what's the other girl he's running around with? Just he, he got people thought he was like. What's another girl? Some sort of doctor. Running around. He been running around models, doctors. He needs to sit his ass down and correct his meds or take some therapy. Or shit, I don't know, but y'all, you, why would you, why would you, why would you marry him? You know he ain't in the right state. I'm not talking about him on a mental state. I don't know if he's on, 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 on like he, he got, I don't know. They say he's bipolar. I don't know. Whatever. But what I'm saying is you know that he's not right. He's hurt. This man done just lost it. He's got just divorced. Been out here talking records, he, he upset. It's a lot of shit going on in your little ass coming in. Kanye West is married again, this time to an Australian woman working for his company. TMZ reports that West 45 secretly wed Bianca Sensory, a 27-year-old architectural designer, who worked at Yeezy for several brands. And see, I want to say this, okay, because a lot of times, no, 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 I'm not, at least I'm not dissing her. I don't know who she is. She might be a nice woman. I don't know. But they be trying to say black women are the gold diggers. No, it ain't black women up in here, up, out in here, marrying somebody of just a couple. I always say black men got that back. You got it backwards. No, you got it backwards. Now, well, see, what, what happens with black women is black women, because a lot of times the black women, not all black women, but some black women have, it, uh, it, it seems like we're instant because black women will, you know, they, they, if they see a nice car, a nice this and that and everything like that, which all women are like this. Women are hypergamous. Oh, I don't, I believe the hype. I believe about hypergamy. Yes, women are hypergamy. They're natural hypergamy. Women are attracted to men who are builders, men who do well. Black women, there's it's no different. Even though they've been, but 
in some senses, it is a little different because if you grow up in poverty and impoverished circumstances and in, in the American system, how you see wealth is different. And so it looks, the images that have been given uh, surrounding black women has black women in saying, oh, he goes, look, she was dealing with the drug dealer back in the day or something like that. Because a lot of, the, because it, that's just a lot of times society sometimes. And sometimes, I mean, the, the, the part of the society that those women were in. In my case, that, was, that wasn't too much a case of me growing up because I had a two-parent home with my grandparents, and my, I had everything I wanted my, from my daddy, my grandma, my grandpa. Now I did go with it. I did go with the daily drug dealer. I know you was a drug dealer. When I found out, he immediately dumped. So I'm just not interested. Never have been. That's not my thing. But it was a lot of girls that was growing up in the hood at that time in the 80s and 90s. That was their thing. That was their shit. Because they sometimes coming out of circumstances that was fucked up. I just didn't have, I, just, I was blessed not to have a fucked up circumstance. And so how black women perceive wealth and things like that, black American women that grew up in the urban neighborhoods, it's different. So at the time, so sometimes it'll be branded as gold digger and stuff like that. But now nah, you ain't seen no gold digging shit. Till you look at some other places and other cultures and other things. Ah, it's a fact. I know. Ain't done. But we like they like to put black women has a face or whatever. Sometimes of that shit. Now in this case, this girl, I'm looking at her side eye. I'm definitely saying Kanye, you must, you have a, you make this song gold digger. You must have a thing for him. Because you, even though I believe women are naturally high programmers, women want men to do well. But some women, that's all they talk about, okay? But it's clear that this man is not well, something's going on with him. And even though he, he does have sometimes highly intelligent things he says, for the most part, though, it looks like something's going on. And you're going to take your ass and marry him, okay? That's just wild to me. TMZ says to say we and Bianca recently had some sort of super secret wedding ceremony, but allegedly don't have a marriage certificate to make it legal. Right, so, so y'all just fucking ran. Okay, they do, however, have wedding bands that they've been sporting while spotted around Hollywood and history was photographed with Kanye to see at Waldo Castoria Beverly Hills. Okay, listen, let me say, she's up. They might, maybe she they done, he didn't hire her for just for a look, walk around and look cute and get some publicity. He's been on the publicity shit. Okay, so I'm going to throw this out. But she do look just like Kim Kardashian. Hey, heel. Heel. He, man, you, why are you picking the same thing again? <laughs> this dude is wild. He ain't learned nothing. Gemini's on. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gemini's. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know how Jim's is. But Jim is, people are always cyborg, okay? Y'all know I love cyborgs, okay? Gemini is the sign of, of 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 man and woman. A lot of people, and I was listening to one one of my favorite astrologers the other day. He was breaking this down. I was like, yes, because a lot of people always think about Scorpio has a sign of sexuality, and we are. We're the sign of sexual organs and stuff like that. But the true sign of sex is Gemini, because Gemini, remember, they have the man and the uh, – it's really that man and woman symbol of them uh, uh, bracing. It's a, it's a, Gemini's are, Gemini is very a very sexual, flirty sign. So it's not surprising to see Kanye out here like a little bump. Not, I'm not saying all Gemini's cannot be loyal. That's not what I'm saying because that doesn't. That's not what that means. I'm just saying the sign is prone to you know 
be very sexual, like Scorpios, we're prone to sexuality, but in a different way. You know, we're, they say Scorpio is searching for soul dots. They're searching for soulmates. We're searching for people to merge with. We're searching for completion, you know, or something like that. And so, and then we can be very sexual in the way we do it. Like some people, I've heard people say, oh, they've met Scorpios, and they say, they're not very sexual. Or because that, you, everybody doesn't trigger Scorpios. Right, but when your Scorpios are triggered, they become they can become very sexual in that way. Gemini is different. Gemini is a flirty sign. It's a moving sign. It's in the air. So it's not surprising to see Kanye like this all over the place. I love to hear the astrologers talk about it, like Apollonia and Rubina and all them. They always have such wonderful like insights to that. Okay, so yeah, but I just figured I was just looking at that and going, yeah. I'm not surprised that Kanye's out here. This is what he's doing, what's going on right here. Gemini vibes. Okay. Uh, in the, uh, let's see, in, especially with certain Geminis, because May Geminis are very, to me, different than June. You know, but I digress. You know. um, what's next? Next story I want to talk to you about. Okay. Oh, TJ Holmes. Okay. Do I got time for TJ? Let me, I got to have time for TJ. I got 15. You know we're going to have to have a part two. Y'all know. It's okay. It's okay. We're going to have a part two. I'm going to do a part two. For real, because I got a lot of stuff to talk about. So we're going to do a part two. We had a guest today. So to, to we're going to be doing part two. But let's talk about TJ right now. Let me, I got some time. Good morning, America 3. TJ Holmes and Amy Robach are apparently ready to take ABC to court if their anchor jobs are threatened. Now, the rumor is they have been fired. But it says, uh, this is according to uh, cinemablend.com. They're saying, has more and more time has passed since ABC and Good Morning America 3 anchors TJ Holmes and Amy, Ro- and Amy Robach off the air in response to their budding romance coming to it's coming to light it's become more difficult for viewers to understand why there hasn't been any kind of resolution yet the network is reportedly in the midst of investigating the details though it hasn't outwardly appeared as if there are anything damning to be found given up given how uh upfront homes and Robeck about were about seeing each other as their prospective marriages fell apart and with no clear end in the situation in sight it appears as if the two anchors have lawyered up in a, a noteworthy fashion and are ready to square off if the network execs make the decision to fire them. At this time, it's unclear if ABC will find any smoking gun evidence of severe wrongdoing on the part of TJ Holmes and Amy Robot. And it seems as if the pair are going more concerned with the safety of their own air position. According to TMZ, the network hasn't shared any reasoning for exactly why they were facing off-air punishment. As such, Robuck has hired Andrew Brettler, a well-known Hollywood lawyer with a reputation for defending higher-profile celebrities through public backlashes with the past clients such as Army Hammer and Prince Andrew. Meanwhile, Holmes has employed the services of popular L.A. lawyer Eric George, who once represented Amber Heard. For now, <laughs> that's, that's, that's good, I guess. For now, though, it appears that both Andrew and Brettler and Eric have been equally unsuccessful at drawing justifications and answers out of ABC regarding their respective clients' job security. Uh, but their efforts seem to be bringing the situation to an inevitable next stop. Okay, so they're saying they, they plan to uh, conduct a lawsuit. Okay, so it says ABC ever use morals or conduct clause to fire or discipline two consenting adults at equal levels when both were white? Okay, 
Now, this is interesting. Let me just say this, okay, TJ? Now, the rumors were that TJ, the rumors, I, I, the rumors were, that I don't know if it's true, but that TJ had two other relationships at Good Morning America with other people, Negro. If that is true, you shouldn't be doing no lawsuits whatsoever. I tell you, ask Tavis and ask uh, 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 Matt Lauer, okay? Okay, TJ, stop. If you, if, this is, if the rumors are true, fucking around with other people at the job besides Amy. You know what they're going to do, okay? Me too, me too, me too, me too. Ask Matt Lauer, okay? The rumors was that Matt Lauer was having consensual relationships, okay? So, TJ, what they going to do to you? It's just, it's the rumors that I've been hearing. I'm just saying, the rumors might be wrong. If the rumors is wrong, if it's just her, y'all can get away with this shit. But obviously, ABC knows something. He's like, who's, who's TJ? And Amy, go home. Go back home to your house. If the rumors is true, Amy, you know this man been out here. I know it looked like you in love with my nose. Look at TJ. We got TJ home birthday and we're out here somewhere. I already told, I told Amy the first thing that TJ home. I said, watch out for this is, this is in the Wikipedia. I'm sorry, I got to pause, y'all, because we got we to find TJ's home. <laughs> okay, let's see if we can find it, child, because TJ's a little... Amy, Amy, go home. <laughs> That's a dish, Leo's, but you know... This dude loves the light. Listen, Amy. Sometimes, it's some women I say, take the risk. Okay, you done found love. The love is here. It's it's wrong. I know it's fucked up how it came. And, you know, you got to hurt some people, but it's love. Go on, do what you got to do. Jay is a risk. I'm not sure. If Amy should be paid. <laughs> but you got this so like. Sometimes you only got one. Sometimes it's so good that you don't care. She just be like, you know what? What's the, uh, my favorite movie? Well, my favorite movie, my friend, and I, I, I talk about this to y'all all the time on the show. Uh, uh, one of Tyler Perry's, even though I'm not that into Tyler Perry no more, but one of Ty, the Tyler Perry fighting temptation. I mean, temptation. I went to, oh, shit, I can't remember. When she coming out the club with that man, and she she you know she's in her she done broke up with her husband, and she coming out the club with this dude, the dude she with now, and the dude is just putting it down and all that stuff. And she like tell her husband she stopped, she high and drunk. I mean the man that turned her out, okay, he done turned her out. He done turned this little innocent church girl out. Y'all ever see Tyler Perry? <laughs> Temptation turned her just got her mind. Mess up. And she comes out the club and her husband waiting at the club. He's like trying to take her home and shit. She's like, because the dude got money. He's fine. He's like, you know, we love, I, I'm not coming back, but we'll pay for counseling for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the funniest shit. 
funny. It's the funniest part of Tyler Perry. If y'all ever see that movie, it's one of the funniest parts of the story. She come out and tell her that man, we we gonna pay her husband. We gonna pay counseling for you. Me, he got so much money. We gonna pay fucking count. I ain't going nowhere. Okay, this shit is good. I am high on right now, and I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> Even though it ends up being a sad story in the end. But this is where Amy's at. Okay, I feel like this is where Amy's at. Amy is high. DJ, Amy, go home. Or if you don't go home, if you're done with that relationship, I get, you know, to heal, with, to heal and become friends with your husband. But heal yourself. I mean, you ain't got to you ain't got to go marry him. You ain't got to marry your husband. But you damn sure ain't got a place to marry TJ. Because TJ looks like he a hoe out in these streets. And I just read, I just read what I look like. I said look like. I mean, I'm just, and I just read a story that he was dating T-Bot. No, not T-Bot. What's the other girl? Chili. It looked kind of strange. Like right around the time he had the other divorce. The first one. Ah, read the tea leaves, Amy. Some of you just, just got this go shit. TJ is one of them. TJ is, you just got to be out here having fun with TJ. You just got to be like, shit, TJ, TJ. You, TJ, Amy, you should have kept as a side piece. Way like you, when you go on your, your trips and stuff. Okay. Let's get it on. Move on. So you keep it quiet. I keep quiet. Yeah, but Amy is trying to make this real, okay? Amy, if the rumors are true out of these streets, I'm reading about TJ Holmes. Stop yourself. Save yourself, girl. Okay. Now, on to the next bit. Save yourself. Like I said, we real on this show, okay? TJ He's a Leo. What's his other stuff? What's his other? I want somebody. So, uh, my astrologist, I know they're going to do one. Please do one on TJ Holmes. So you can tell. Somebody send Amy, and once you do the astrology breakdown of TJ, please send it to Amy. So she can really, so she can know what, you know, know what the real deal is. Know what she's going to do. Understand, you know, you get into this. I knew what I was walking into. You know, but sometimes, that's what I said about little Monique, Monique in on Love at the Locker. Not little, big Monique. Monique, no consequences are a fucking around with this. But you know what? Monique is high right now. Okay, Monique is like, I, ain't never, I don't know if I ever had it this year. Her esteem is being <laughs> You can't even, uh, Monique don't want to go. Okay. So she knows when she's fully aware of the consequences of what it is to walk in with dicks, okay? You know, this that's why I say some penises and you gotta say wait, like, you know, like like you know, like like I always talk about meaning. I would understand the consequences. I'd be like, I understand. Let's get ready to happen. I know he's a no man hoe. But I like me some Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> I know this is going to go in disaster, but you know what? I'm going to have fun while the disaster's happening. <laughs> That's some women do. Some women do. 
let me stop. Y'all for y'all take this shit seriously. So no man's worth a disaster. But I will say, this is where sometimes people are at. Sometimes people are just there saying, you know, I'll gladly take this L. Bitch, I'm going to enjoy it. Why it happens. I know it ends. I used to, I had a friend one time who told me she was dating this guy who was not shit. He was fine. He was beautiful. He was a beautiful, 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 beautiful. And he was a good friend of mine. And he would come up to she she she, she he would come up he would come up to the uh, to my job to see me all the time. And she 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 was so smitten. And I said to her, I said, baby, this, this is not the good. I mean, I've been we close friends. But he ain't the dude. He's not that. He ain't a settled down type. Oh, I, trust me, okay. We, we, me and him, cool. I don't mean I wouldn't. Even, I wouldn't date him. And you, and people don't. You know how I many? I didn't even tell how many years that man had tried to date me. I was like, no way, because I knew what he was. Okay, and we was cut. We was cool, right? So I tried to tell him. She was like, and I said, I ain't trying to hate. I'm just trying to tell you because I know. But she ended up doing it anyway. She was so into him. He's beautiful. I'm, when I say beautiful, I'm talking about beautiful, like devilish beautiful. Okay? And when he and when she was going down with the shit, she said, "I know whether I know you know." I'm just. It, she understood. Like I'm okay. I understand. I understand. There's other girls. I understand. I just just leave me alone. Let me let me dwell in this. Whatever the fuck is going on is so good, I don't give a shit. <laughs> so I had to let it go. I had to let her go. I had to let her go. I didn't tell her no more. I didn't tell her no more. And I, he broke up, and he told me, he's like, yeah, you know, just keep that over, girl, through the shit. You know, I was just fun. And she understood. And she had fun while it lasted, okay? And she had a, 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 a bright week or a couple of months or whatever the fuck it was. It happens sometimes, okay? And that's what Amy probably had. Amy just want a couple of bright months. Maybe a couple of bright years. What, what TJ, what's the average for TJ? 10, 15 years? He gives a good 10, 15 years from the other two marriages. He doesn't want her average. He do a, a lot can happen in 10 years. I'm with you, man. Y'all understand. It's the end of this terrible show. <laughs> I can Anna. Hannah comes through with all that motivation. I take y'all back to toxicity. Oh, I'm so terrible. I got to stop this. <laughs> oh, my God. I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. Remember, uh, I will have a part two this week. We will get. We will do a part two because uh, I didn't get to all my stories that I wanted to get to, but we will definitely do a part two where I talk, to, talk about love after lockup and a whole lot more. So, you guys, uh, thank you for hanging out with me like you do every week. I appreciate you so much. Thank you to my guest, Hannah, for coming on and sharing with us her story. Love your story, Hannah, and really I hope it encourages so many women out here, okay? So we're going out with Portrait. Here we go again. It's the CC Show. I'm Carlotta. Y'all have a good one. I will see y'all maybe sometime this weekend, okay, for part two.
sound of my voice. You are listening to the Archive Show. What's up, y'all? Okay, remember, you can hit me up on the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page. You can also hit me up on C Chatwood Show and Carlotta72 on Twitter. Those are both my Twitter accounts. You can also uh, hit me up on Instagram at Carly's underscore galaxy, okay? Carly's underscore galaxy. All right, so... You know what, guys? I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Listen, I am going to do a part two because I got I, there's so much of the show I did not get to, so much news and things like that. So trust me, I am going to do that. Um, look for it within either if it doesn't happen tomorrow or tonight, late tonight, it will. Uh, I might do an early morning show. I'll be taping it. If it's not up by Monday, it'll be up hopefully by Tuesday. Okay. Part two, so you can get celebrity news, celebrity uh, uh, gossip, all celebrity news, celebrity gossip, the regular news, pop, uh, stuff like that. We'll, I'll, I'll do all of that, okay? Uh, again, thank you to Hannah for showing up at, on the show and talking to us and sharing her story. Very powerful. If you didn't get to hear it, make sure you check out the archive show so you guys can listen. All right? I'm out. I'm leaving with one of my favorites, Shante Moore. Stay alone, honey. Stay alone. This is CC Show. Bye, Nothing too good for us.